situations like this happen because when you start talking about I mean for me anyways when you start talking about like being in the public and food and stuff I be feeling like there's a fine line between like especially working for a white man there's a fine line between like being authentic who you are and appeasing the consumer or the business as well and I just be feeling like okay y'all y'all be on y'all best behavior so that we can like y'all Cool it up, cool, you know what I'm saying? Cool, cool, cool for the conversation. Right now, right now, right now. Through the city, through the city, through the city. Right. Girl, I really wanna know, really wanna know if you coming with me, coming with me, with, with me. It's a place I wanna go, place I wanna go. Through the city, through the city, through the city. It's a little spot I know. Do you wanna go? Are you coming with me, coming with me? Welcome back, welcome back. We are coming to you live from Dope Society in the Bywater of New Orleans. And if this is your first time here, you are now listening to the All the Fly Kids show, where the cool, calm, and connected talk straight, no chaser. I am your host, Geronimo Nose, urban culture and lifestyle enthusiast, reformed blogger turned full-time interviewer. And I got my co-host, as always, super producer Robert J. in the building. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> How you feeling, man? I'm feeling good. I'm, I feel a little tired. Okay. But not so tired that y'all about to feel it too. So I feel really good. I'm in a good space. You feel me? Okay. That's 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 good to hear, man. Um, tell people where they can find us. All right. So look, if you want to listen to what we are talking about, you want to find us on any podcast streaming site. That's going to be Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Apple, whatever they call iTunes, um, Google Pod. Podcast, is it? Yeah, Apple Podcast, Google Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. And all you're going to do is search all the Fly Kids. That's it. Uh, if you want to connect with us on social media, you know, follow us day to day. All you're going to have to do is pretty much search the same thing. All the Fly Kids. Um, we pop it on Instagram. You definitely want to get us, get at us on Instagram. Yes. And if you want to follow either one of us, either Geronimo or myself, what you're going to want to do is listen and follow Geronimo Knows at Geronimo Knows or follow Robert J underscore BB as in baby bay. <laughs> <laughs> and you can talk to us there so that's where we at and also check out the website alltheflykids.com if you want to uh, subscribe do the deep dive yeah. into all that All The Fly Kids is about and has done over the years um, yeah just go there just follow us man there's a lot of good stuff on the way. Uh, Y'all been, we've been fly for a long time, even before the link up. Yes, fly since <laughs> uh, uh, conception. <laughs> yes, because yeah, I'm like I don't know since eight. No, since that. Since somewhere in there. Since since way back, we've been fly since way back. Yeah. All right, we got four more episodes until episode 100. So are we dating this one? Because we know we got the special one coming out. No, no, no. We, we, we gonna act like. <laughs> all right, all right. Yes, yes. I should have told you that before. Yes, I'm gonna I'm act like I got my mind right. Okay. I'm gonna act like I, you know. All right. My mom taught me how to do that. Okay. So I know. Shout what to out, do. mom. Shout out to all my brothers and mom too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, four more episodes until episode 100, and um, I'm really looking forward to that because 
It has been quite a long two and a half plus years of wow. just, you know, going in different, like been that long. different mm-hmm. recording spaces and different cities, all of that. I mean, you know, but we here. And we've been keeping it a buck the whole way. You see what I did there? Yes. A buck, honey. Yeah. Cause it's that's hot. Hot. That's hot, man. Using your noggin. Ah, 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 you know. Okay. Baby. Right. <laughs> anyway, all right. So, boom. So, Robert and I both moonlight in the hospitality industry. I know Robert doesn't want to say where he's moonlighting, but I'll tell you, um, I am currently... Um, doing a social experiment as a bar back at the Ace Hotel in New Orleans. And uh, I personally work off and on in the industry, the service industry, the hospitality industry, for the past 12 years in different capacities, different front of house roles. I've done everything short of being an actual bartender, um, even all the way down to like expediting food. I've even been a busser. And that was a busser after I had already waited tables Man. and hosted and did all these things. Man. But that... Chalk that up to needing two years of New York restaurant experience. Busing sucks. <laughs> I've done that. Um, but I made good money as a busser at this restaurant I worked at. I'm working at the beef, the meatball shop in New York, and I was making more money as a busser than some servers I know was making back home in D.C. <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't too mad about the money. Yeah. Busing ain't <laughs> that bad from that perspective. When I did it, it sucked. But yeah, so I worked in, I worked in different front house roles, um, all types of concepts from casual, quick turn, to fine dining to the latest, greatest opening by fill-in-the-blank chef restaurateur. But me being me, I've observed the relationship between staff and management, staff and patrons, along with patrons and the spaces that they're in. I've also been to numerous bars and restaurants on the East Coast and a few other states, and I made these same observations as a patron and taking note on how these same groups interact with me as a consumer. I'll just say it's all made for a rather colorful experience. But this week's guest is no stranger to the world of hospitality and has made affecting positive change in the industry her life's work. She's a writer, consultant, hospitality activist, and co-founder of Radical Exchange, a hospitality creative agency serving intersectional content by way of food, beverage, and culture. She and business partner Kassira Hill were recently featured in Food & Wine magazine speaking on entrepreneurship, systemic barriers, and the true meaning of accessibility and hospitality. Um, our guest was also voted 2019 M by Magazine's Bartender of the Year and on uh, the Observer's Dining and Nightlife Power List of Food and Drinks 55 Most Influential People. So, look, y'all know we be getting people that's popping. So, <laughs> we ain't, ain't shit change, all right? But to sum it up, she'll make you a bomb drink while letting you know the good and bad of hospitality and how to make the playing field more level for all the players. So, family, please welcome Ashton R. Berry to the All the Fly Kids show. <laughs> Clap it up for the sir. Clap it up for the Thank you, thank you, thank you. How thank you feeling today? Um, you know, I'm I'm recovering. I'm recovering. It's Mardi Gras, so you know, I'm. A, don't worry though. The energy will come as I as I wake up. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna keep it live. Yeah. Give you some laughs, you know, and whatnot. You know, get the energy going. Um, so first thing I wanted to know is just how long have you been working in the industry, and just what was your first. Rules. So, I've been working in, well, one, it depends on how you define hospitality, right? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But I've been working in the service industry since I was 16 years old. Okay. Um, I got my first job as a hostess at a steakhouse called Houston's in Memphis yes. when I was... Um, no Houston's. Yeah, so, and then I've kind of, just off and on, I worked um, in retail 
through most of college, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, like, actually, like, paid and was able to, like, pay for college by being a stylist, actually. I thought right. I wanted to be, I thought that's what I wanted to do, you know, for the rest of my life. Um, and then kind of, like, got really serious about it, I would say, probably, like, two years out, out, out of college. Okay. Or two years out of college. Okay. Yeah. Alright. And at what point did you realize, okay, you wanted to make a career within hospitality in some way, shape, or form? Because you've been doing service, you know, retail yeah. as well, you know. I mean, I think it was just kind of, I I was always super interested in food and in wine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was just the fact of once I left my kind of like corporate, kind of like the job you're supposed to get, you know what I mean, after college, once I like left that because I was like severely unhappy, I went back to retail and helped manage a store. Okay. And I just realized that like, one, I didn't want to be in retail. Two, it requires a significant amount of money to be a stylist in real life. Yes. Um, because you've got to be able to work for free, mm-hmm. basically, for a few years. And like, I just realized I was never going to have that luxury. Like, my parents are poor. Like, my whole family... Like, no one has any money. You know what I mean? So right. there wasn't going to be any... There wasn't going to be any type of opportunity for me to be able to be like, oh, I'm moving to New York, and I'm just going to, like... Dug it out. Dug it out and work this internship for two years. You know what I mean? Until someone hires me as a stylist. You know what I mean? Full time. And um, there's certainly, I feel like, more opportunities now than there was when I was, like, first taking a crack at it. But it's it's really difficult. It's really difficult trying to be a woman and a person of color in the fashion industry, especially in the, on the business side. Like, yes. no one's interested mm-hmm. in China. And so... <laughs> no one's interested. And so I had, like I said, I'd already been in the like service industry off and on, but um, when I was at this kind of like job after college, one of the things that I did was fundraising. Um, and... I would have to plan these like nice dinners and I just kind of learned over time that like being able to curate a nice meal and drinks can sometimes go way further than a lot of other things Mm -hmm. and could like make people and so it allowed me to really climb quickly throughout college that I was able to like go to these nice dinners you know um I ended up actually working for the university um and you know one of the reasons why university I went to University of Chicago. Okay. Cool. And, you know, one of the reasons why I would get asked to come to these, like, dinners with, like, powerful alumni or, you know what I mean, or people who could write checks was because I could dine out, you know what I mean, and I could talk about the food, I could talk about the drink, and mm-hmm. I was, like, knowledgeable enough not to feel, A, uncomfortable, but B, also carry a conversation about it. Yeah. And um, it's something that I, uh, a mentor of mine in college was like don't lose that home that you know what I mean because that's like not something everybody has and that'll put you in a lot of important rooms if you're able to do that and um yeah I mean I, I guess that's kind of like around a, yeah I don't know it's a weird I've also just had a relationship with food and beverage that like spans from um just like years of off and on stuff like you know I my great grandmother used to keep me and she would cook mm-hmm. every day. You know what I mean? Just things of like that. Um, my grandfather, my mom's father, has been a bartender for most of my life and has managed bars in Phillies 
my entire life. You know, so there's there's other things that are just like no one's surprised. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, it's kind of like, it's like it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's not. You know, I think people would feel the same way if I had became <coughs> become a musician. You know what I mean? That that's it's kind of like a, which is the route that most of my cousins have taken. Okay. A lot of them are in music. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's in your blood. Yeah. It's in your blood. Okay. So. From here, I just want to really just jump right into it. So, if you had to put it succinctly, what's the main hurdle for protected classes of people? Let me define protected classes of people. Um, That is anybody, I'm going to just do it real general. Anybody who is not white, male, and heterosexual. And cis. And cisgender. Yes, and cisgender. Can't forget that. Um, So, what is the main hurdle for protected classes of people who work in hospitality? You had to put us to sink. I know that might be tough, but you know. <laughs> I mean, I think one we need to we need to define hospitality. Okay. Are we saying yeah. restaurant and bars? Are we saying anybody mm. who works in alignment with food? Are we including fast food places? Are we talking about hotel mm-hmm. staff? You know what I mean? Because these are all structures and things that like make hospitality. Yes, and I think. Um, my answer would be different based on if we're talking about restaurant and bars or if we're talking about the overarching ecosystem of hospitality. Well, because we only have a limited amount of time, <laughs> let's focus on restaurants and bars. bars. Um, what is the main hurdle? Um, hmm. I would say access Okay. is the mm-hmm. main hurdle. Even getting spaces to hire mm-hmm. people outside of the white male cisgender heterosexual demographic is difficult it's specifically in positions that are considered valuable so leadership positions mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and specifically in spaces that are considered value valuable okay um, and when I and when I say valuable it's not to say that one restaurant is better than the other it's to say I mean valuable as in who gets the write-ups, who gets the nomination, who gets visited, you know, who gets Instagrammed, all of these things, because those things add to your social and financial capital. Right, right, right. Okay. Okay, and just saying that, I think about, okay, so you read it, I'm sure a lot of people read it, you know, the Eater article that uh, Kosha Wilson wrote. So great. Love Kosha. Of all the Eater emails that I get, that one I didn't like just throw away. I was like, what? I mean, they've been trying. They've been trying, it looks like, to kind of put out some real content. Mm-hmm. For a minute, they were like the shade room for the hospitality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> I, 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 can, I can definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, and um, I saw the article, I was like, alright, let me read this because she's going to say some stuff that I've been thinking and also experiencing. Writer. And um, I'm going to read three quotes um, that really stood out to me. Uh, from it. So the name of the article is A Critic for All Seasons. What would restaurant criticism look like if it represented diners like me? Um, diners like her being, again, well, she specifically being a black woman who is a food writer. Mm-hmm. Correct? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because of, there's not a lot of black food writers. There are not. There's not a... I mean, or, or, is there, or is there not a, a lot of black food writers that are getting the... the, the I was just about to say that... The, that goes back to my point of access yeah. because there are black food writers yeah. but are they being hired yeah. and the answer is no okay right so 
And the other answer is, are there people who would like to be black food writers? Yes. Are they not because they aren't being provided the opportunities to do that or grow? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Like, that's the issue. I mean, I think about, before I read these three quotes, um, I think about that blog. You remember the blog, Waiter Rant? Mm-hmm. I remember when that was out. So w- before he turned that into a whole book. So I was maybe like a year and a half into working as a server. Um, I was still in D.C. at the time. And this guy, I can't remember where he was based, but he was a, he was a server. And he created a whole blog about just his experience as a mm-hmm. server and dealing with different customers, um, staff, all of that. And it eventually he turned into a book. And it got him out of that work. And next thing you know, he's traveling all around the world. And then um, Anthony Bourdain. But really interesting, I would like to say, is like, it's very interesting that he got a book deal. Okay. I I would wonder if if he was not a male. Would he have gotten? Would he have gotten that book deal? Hmm. All right. I just like like real talk. No, no, no. Because like like I I'd be really interested to know if he would have. If there would have been as much excitement about it, if it had been a woman, and I only say that because there have, there have been women who have chronicled mm-hmm. even before him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Their experiences, and I don't think people were interested until there was a man who was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, it really does suck, though, y'all." Yeah, so, and, and the same thing. With <laughs> Anthony Bourdain. Like, what was Anthony did Bourdain's he first do book? It? Did did he do the book in any way that was like different? Like, did he like deliver it differently or something? No, I just think people were interested in seeing someone that they didn't expect, like hearing from someone that they didn't expect to be. I, I mean, I haven't read the whole book, but I've seen excerpts. I don't know. I can, I can, I can see why something like that would be um, celebrated. I don't think that it's fair. No, I, I mean, I don't think, think that. that um, I don't think that it's like I'm not like also knocking him getting a bag. No, no, no. Yeah. He, he get your bag. Get your bag. Like yeah, I'm not knocking him getting a bag because of the thing. But I, but I just find it interesting. The representation I think is really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think what we cling to in this industry, <clears> in terms of the narratives that we celebrate, is also very interesting. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Like that's how. Anthony Bourdain became a household name. What was his name? Kitchen Confidential? Mm-hmm. Was his uh, his is first book. Which is a highly problematic, but good book. Okay. I didn't read that book either, but I know that's... that's you should the, read Kitchen Confidential. That's the book that put mm-hmm. him on the map before... It's, uh, it's incredibly honest. And parts unknown, it's, I mean, that's mm-hmm. why he was able to have all that. It's incredibly honest. Mm-hmm. If you like his shows, you would like the book because it's incredibly intentional and honest. But you got... You got so those two examples... But those are the examples that you see oftentimes, and um, but in the quotes that I, that really stood out for me from her article, from Courtney Wilson's article, um, first one is, "I've been handed the dessert wine menu at a bar because the bartender assumed I like sweet wines mm-hmm. and been asked, have you had a Negroni before?' When ordering one, and even after assuring them that yes, I had, still suffered through a lecture explaining the concept of bitter flavor profiles." Mm-hmm. Another quote. Wells also noted Henry's seamless playlist of hip-hop and R&B that unspools over the course of dinner, but for me, it was an audible reminder that this is a black chef's restaurant, not a restaurant that is playing black music for effect or ambiance, but showcasing the actual soundtrack of Johnson's life and the lives of many black Americans who grew up in the 1990s and early 2000s. Um, And then the third one is, and the fact that there is a visible black food critic 
with a culinary baseline rooted in black food ways reviewing American restaurants and adding to the discourse is shameful, speaking all too clearly to how closely food media has fallen in line with the lack of diversity in newsrooms across the country. Mm -hmm. So that quote right there had me consider, like, I should throw my name in the food critic hat because... I mean, yeah. I mean, also not just food critic, but, like, beverage critics. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that... By the way, Negronis are one of my favorite drinks. Yeah, I love, I love a Negroni. It it's is. your Oaxaca Negroni with mezcal, too, to switch it up a little bit. It's, I mean, that's one of my favorite builds. It's so good um, and so straightforward. Um, what were you asking? Oh, I, was just, I, we just, I just went through. Oh, the, 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 the quotes. Yeah. It's the Negronis. Do you, do you, I'm like, do you, do you want me to say it? I mean, I agree with everything she said. Yeah. I mean, she that article was brilliantly written and everything that she touched on are things that I've talked about Mm -hmm. like um, I wrote an article about Ghetto Gastro for Chef's Feed shout out Ghetto Gastro those guys are dope met them a couple times yeah and you know in there I talked about how people just kind of like rip the parts of blackness that they like Mm -hmm. and mark and use it as a marketing tool you know what I mean for uh, mm-hmm. for their for their businesses, and yes. you see it all. You see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. You even see it here in New Orleans, where you know New Orleans is sixty two percent black, but you walk into these places that are supposed to be the new and hippest places, and ain't a Negro to be found. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Which is incredibly interesting to me because you can't literally go anywhere in this city and not see us. So how have you built a whole? Restaurant and business, and you don't see any other representation of the people in the city. Right. It's like a subculture. Um, that access definitely is not for us. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, I think the issue is, is that like when people imagine their spaces, they don't see brown bodies in those spaces. Mm. You can't a lot create. Of, a lot of us are in the kitchen too. You can't create. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's another reason why I don't see a lot of us <laughs> in the kitchen. Well, and, and that's a whole nother conversation about why are we in the kitchen? Like one of the things that people don't talk about is that um, the hospitality industry, while it will try to fool you because you're consistently being bombarded with faces of white people, um, the hospitality industry is majority made up of people of color, mm-hmm. but. We don't occupy, we occupy such a small percentage of the leadership. Yes. But we make up the ma- the masses in terms of who actually is doing the labor. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if you break that even further, women of color mm-hmm. represent the largest number of, like when you start talking about people of color, women make up most of that. You're yes. talking about servers and it's bartenders. And, yes. and not even servers and bartenders. You're talking about your prep, like who's doing your prep for your kitchen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right, the so quote salad girl. The, yes. Yeah, those who's doing the prep for your kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, who's shining your silverware? Right, right? these are all right. entry level positions, and like what we don't talk about in the hospitality industry, which is something that I think a lot of people don't understand. And so, the hospitality industry is one of the, and pretty much soon it will it will be the only sector where you do not need any certification in order to join or necessarily to rise to leadership. Is that a good or bad thing? It's a good thing because it allows people who may not have the access to go to college or to go to trade route mm-hmm. to still have access to being, you know, let me put it this way. 
it should allow access for people to come in at an entry level and grow into leadership positions. Okay. Yes. Okay. Right? Because there's nothing, most of the things in the hospitality industry, you can learn on the job. Yes. Someone can teach you. There is nothing that's happening at a management level that someone can eventually learn and grow to. Okay. It's the systems that are built, build off of one another. Is culinary yes. school necessary? I mean, <laughs> I am not a chef. Okay. So I don't feel comfortable answering that question. Okay. I I get 50-50 responses. I don't I think it depends on what you're trying to do. Okay. I know people who are brilliant chefs who have their own restaurants and never went to culinary school. Okay. I think it's also about the way that you choose to study. I right now, people have said to me, you should have stayed in school and you should have a PhD. Okay. Some people have said that to me, but you know what? I have life experience that a lot of my friends who do have PhDs Don't do have not have. Been in school all this time. Because they've been in Absolutely. school all of this time. And the life experience I have speaks volumes to the, my ability to critique the business that I am now in and also be able to like talk to other people not in our industry and relay it to them and help them understand. So I think that the people learn different ways, and I think for some people the structure... Mm-hmm. Is necessary. Okay. This is what school is for, and I and I and I, I, I think that bar, bar, about bartending school too. Mm. I think bartending school is trash. Okay. Um, <laughs> so for anybody, anybody out there that's gone to bartending school, you wasted your money. I mean, no, I'm not even saying that. Here's the, here's here's why you go to school. Here's here's why you go to school for anything. Yes, you go to school to learn. But another reason why you go to school, especially when you're talking about secondary learning and secondary education, is one, to hone skills that you're not naturally talented at. Okay? That's one thing. And two, for the network. Mm -hmm. Schools are ultimately about joining a network. Mm -hmm. Right? I tell tell all of my cousins when they, like, call me about schools and they're asking me questions, I'm like, you should be basing your decision on what type of alumni network you want to be connected to. I'm not saying that your education and the school you're at and the people you meet and that experience is important, but it's gonna, you're gonna be happy when you graduate. Yes. That if you have an expansive alumni, Absolutely. you know what I mean, and you're gonna be happy to be a part of that network. Yeah. So that's the way that I look at educational institutes. Like, like they should be used as a way to expand your social capital. Okay. Okay. All right. I would agree with that. But bartender school is still trash. <laughs> I mean, bartender school, they just don't place people. I don't think they actually have the network. One, any place that you learn go to bartend, they're going to teach you the way that they want you to bartend. And I can guarantee you 99% of the time, it's not going to be what you learned at bartender it's school. It's different everywhere. It's going to be different everywhere. Yeah. So one, it is a waste of your money because every bar you go to is going to have a different style. They're going to have their own kind of unique way. Two, you don't need to pay somebody to teach you how to use a jigger. Three, all the information that that... Like, three, you can learn how to bartend on YouTube. Four, you can buy like three books on Amazon and save yourself tons, like tons of money. So there'll never be a bartender school on the level of of, of, of culinary institute. I didn't say that there would <laughs> ever be a bartender. I mean, that'd be kind of dope. But I just, I don't, I just think that having a purely bartending school also doesn't make sense because it should be a beverage school in that instance. Mm. If you're gonna open something, then you should be teaching people about what what's distilling. 
Yes. Right? You should be teaching people positions so that, like, if they work at a beer bar, they now understand what it means and how to brew and things like that so that they can then start to have equity and ownership in new projects that would allow them to be like, oh, not only do I love beer, but now I've started this microbrewery or now I did, you know what I mean, and my partner in this, like, beer bar. You should, if it's a school, it should teach you things to help you gain access to more equity. And that bartending school doesn't do that. Culinary school can do that. Okay. All right. Just depends on where you go. So let's move Let's move into all the different things that you're working on. Oh God! <laughs> so how how I met Ashton uh, was at a, an event that just happened uh, a few weeks back. Resistance served, and that was through Radical Exchange. Mm-hmm. So I already explained what Radical. Let's we'll start with Radical Exchange. So just the influence to, to to launch that. Let's let's talk about that because um when I how did I find out? I think matter of fact I learned about it from Tail. He posted the event for Resistance Serve. Um, somebody tagged me on it because they knew I was here. Somebody in D.C. tagged me on it. And I was like, oh, bet. This looks like something I definitely need to attend. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to get in. I'm a volunteer. So, <laughs> um, right. And then I was like, okay, so let me look up Radical Exchange. I was like, oh, this is really good. Because, again, as someone who has not only patronized numerous bars and restaurants, I've worked in them. So I already know where they're going. And yeah. I've, seen, I've seen the problematic shit. And I see where improvements, major improvements can be made. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to see what they're all about. So influence behind launching Radical Exchange. So Radical Exchange has been in my head for like years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really about trying to figure out how to basically introduce people to a different way of thinking of businesses and a different way. Let me change that. Not a different way of thinking of businesses, but a different way that food and beverage can engage with consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like everybody does the exact same thing. Like, whether it be events, whether it be bars and restaurants, I'm like, you just keep seeing 99% of the thing just putting out the same stuff. Okay. And so, in my mind, I, be, I was like, what is what is a way to bring thing, new things to people, mm-hmm. right? But in a way that's conscious and intentional, um, to micro demographics. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of my thought process. And then my immediate thought, which is a company, which is which is not out and it, no one knows about, but Radical Exchange is actually owned by a parent company. Mm-hmm. But Radical Exchange is the introduction to everybody because I once kind of doing some research, I figured out that people wouldn't understand the parent company. So the best thing was like, well, how do we whittle this down to what people do understand? Right, and right. that's Radical Exchange. Okay. All right, cool. And one of the goals is to, um, was it, uh, oh, I, 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 I took notes here. Um, so through event series, pop-up forms, and partnerships, Radical Exchange is a means through which individuals and businesses can experience hospitality in an intersectional and innovative way. Mm-hmm. So let's talk, because you hear the, the word intersectionality a lot these days. I know. And... Which is so interesting. Intersectional and innovative within hospitality and how we've been talking about it, restaurants and bars. Um, what does that look like, just like high level? You don't have to go into like great detail. Just I mean, I think what it looks like is considering that brown, that queer people, and when you think of creating spaces, thinking of them as being in those spaces. Yeah. You know, people are doing the opposite. They're creating spaces and then speckling diversity 
speckling people and identities in it for diversity as rather a, than as, what, as an afterthought rather mm-hmm. than imagining spaces where those people already exist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah the whole affirmative action thing is like do you really want people to be here or you just want to check a box so nobody gives you well that's why I hate the word diversity yeah because it's about numerical numerical reference mm-hmm. it's not actually about inclusive it's not about a conversation about inclusivity and yeah. it's not a conversation about um Acknowledging and seeing people as whole as in all of their identities. Yeah, but one thing I can say about working at the Ace Hotel here in New Orleans, of course, is naturally it's going to be very representative of the New Orleans population. Which, when you use the word diversity, <laughs> um, you know, you I think ha- that's a proper. I think diversity that in that context, diversity is the right word. You have people who represent all the different groups that we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and of all the places that I've worked. Um, this is the most diverse, the most yes. diverse on the in the front of house and back of house. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's I think that's dope because I absolutely agree that it should be intersectional and innovative. You know, I wouldn't say that Ace is intersectional. I would say that it's diverse. Okay, you know, I used to work there, right? I didn't know that. I thought you just maybe did business with them. I didn't no, know. No, I used to actually be. I used to actually. Brandon's position is the position that I, okay. I had. I did read that you mm-hmm. created. You created um um. Beverage programs for them. Yeah. Okay. Did but I, I thought them? that was as a consultant. I opened, I opened the lobby bar. I was. The, I thought that yeah. was just as a consultant, not as a direct employee. No, no, oh, no. Okay. I, I opened so the lobby bar. So they still use those programs. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not gonna ask about that um, when I go back. Um, everybody, a lot of people seem to be a little disgruntled working there, but I'll leave that. Yeah, I, don't want to get I mean, yeah. I won't get nobody fired. Um, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I just, I think that that's like a top-down thing. You yeah. know what I mean? If you have, if you have disgruntled employee, what? Okay. Which cup are they? It's only two cups. She might. She not drinking. Um, I might have some. I might have some later, but I'm okay. good for right, right now. Um. Anyways. Okay. So boom. All right. So, so from radical exchange comes resistance service. So again, yes, that's our what, first inaugural event. Yeah. Um, which I hope doesn't pigeonhole us because our next event is going to be very, very different. Okay. Um, but I yeah. appreciated it, especially because I went on the day that we we took the trip to the Whitney Plantation. Yeah. And I appreciated that because I was able to learn about that part of Black history, but from a food pathways perspective mm-hmm. and I know um, we should probably explain what resistance service yes okay let me, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me hold up wait wait so resistance serve brought together food and beverage professionals and historians to celebrate black historical achievements and discuss systemic barriers to success in the industry you want anything else to that yeah okay. I, <laughs> I think um, you know the kind of like Easiest way to kind of think of it is that after researching, we found that there had never been a conference Mm. or even that had brought together black people from every single portion of the industry, meaning chefs, bartenders, wine producers, beer people, writers, historians, everything. And I think it's interesting to keep having a conversation about access when we haven't even created pathways to one another to support one another. Right. Big shout out everybody from DC who came down. AJ, yeah. Alicia, Capri, who else? Uh, 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 um, shit, 
It was a bunch. It was a few more people. If I forgot your name, they were. Oh uh, yeah, don't, like don't, don't, Elise don't. and them from Baltimore, Crystal Mack, like everybody. I mean, DC showed out for sure. Um, I'm so appreciative to everybody that came and supported us. Mm-hmm. This was our first year. It was our inaugural. Thea, shout out Thea. And I, it's crazy that we had so many people come from out of town. I mean, our attendance was seventy percent. Seventy percent of people were from out of town. Word. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, cool. cool. And I mean, again, when I just attending the day the, the event, the day of the event when we went to the Whitney Plantation, like again, getting. I've been to plantation. I've been to a plantation before. Um, I didn't go on an actual tour, but to go on this tour again with that whole with Whitney at the Whitney, but from a food pathways perspective, Michael Twitty was even there, and he gave a lot of great background. Um, if y'all don't know who Michael Twitty is, look him up mm-hmm. and buy his book. <laughs> yeah, read the it. cooking gene. The cooking gene. Um, he's a historian. Um, he won a James Beard Award actually for his book, The Cooking Gene. So basically, the the idea behind Resistance Serve this year, and yes, we will be having it again next year. Um, the idea this year was to do a major level set. Okay. Right. Was to get everybody on the same page of why have black people's contributions to food and beverage ways been erased. Right? And why is it that we keep having conversation about diversity, inclusion, access, equity, um, even though we've been a part of this history since it started? Right. And I think it was necessary for people to understand that some of the abuse patterns that we see in hospitality industry are because they're directly descended from disempowering black people. Hmm. And so... If you're going to understand power positions or why people traditionally, you know, why do black people traditionally, why are they in back of the house? Then you need to first understand that domestic work is a lineage from slavery. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and hospitality work was domestic work. Mm-hmm. So I just think a lot of people think they know that and then they see it and they're like, oh, oh. Um, I also think people think slavery was like a super long time ago, and oh, I'm like, I'm like, it, no. it didn't. It really it didn't end not too long ago. Yo, yeah, like it really wasn't that <laughs> it long ago. It hasn't even ago. been 200 years yet. No, and <clears throat> when you talk about slavery, no, slavery ended, but then the mindset of oppressing black yeah. people never stopped. Yeah, and and slavery ended, but I think for most people, even the idea that slavery, like people bring up, like. Slavery ended, and I think people... On it's really funny. Yeah, on ended the books. on the books. I mean, we got to pay. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, no, it didn't end. Like, it wasn't like they sent out a whole bunch of white people across the South to be like, go let those Negroes know they're free. Like... And it wasn't like... It wasn't like... They was like, nope, y'all ain't going nowhere it wasn't like, And it wasn't like slave masters were like, okay, well, you know, it just got signed. Y'all are free now. Like, no, and Abraham no. Lincoln wasn't even for freeing slaves. No, he tried it to wasn't. send them back to Africa, but everybody yeah, exactly. had the money. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yes, but, but, like, I think people think that slavery was so long ago, A. And B, I don't think that people, because we're not taught about it, right? So people don't understand things like 1865 black codes, which mm. would originally transform and become what we know as Jim Crow laws. Right. Um, and I think people don't understand that those laws were extremely restrictive mm-hmm. in specifically in 
having vagrancy laws, right? So if you didn't have a job, like you couldn't be out at a certain time of night or you could be arrested. Um, and they were basically all built to restrict black people's bodies. It also, in these black codes, said the positions that black people were allowed to work. Mm. Surprise, surprise, most of those positions were either sharecropping and field, kind of field work. Oh, what does that sound like? Or it was domestic work. So working at in the back of the house or as and, and which is all the same. That's it's all never it's it. it's all the same. And also, but people also don't realize black people were your servers, were your bartenders. They were everything because exactly. white people didn't work in these positions because they weren't considered valuable positions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really interesting to have that conversation in a place like New Orleans, where so many of our hospitality traditions come from, whether people realize it or not. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, so, yeah. I, t- I told somebody. I told um, I told someone that you know, as far as like you look at the influences of different from different regions of the country, in the South definitely, when it comes to just like what's considered proper and standard, they said the it. South. Yeah, they said it. Said that you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your favorite event from uh, Resistance Serve? No, oh, that's a hard one. Um, hmm. I really wish I could have made um, the panel discussions. I, I, I love the you know I loved it all I don't know that I could say I mean Whitney was pretty powerful no, that was um, and having Dr. Conyers shout out to Howard love you big bro um, having Howard Conyers who is a third might even be fourth generation pit master from the Carolinas cook on Whitney Plantation for everybody was mm. just like really for people to have the moment to process and to break bit bread break bread after like um going through that journey i think was super powerful and he's an astrophysicist during he, the day yes okay, he yeah. makes rockets yeah he's an astrophysicist for during for his day job yeah he's for nasa <laughs> and, wow. and will cook the hell out of some some hog and everything yeah, else he cooked a yeah. whole hog it was so good Mm-hmm. You you would have you would have ate pork that day. I it sounded like I would ate. <laughs> there were people there who were like, I like who I know don't eat red meat and pork and ate, ate pork that day. Mm-hmm. And we're like, yeah, I'm you, you had to because it was like, when are you going? How often do you get a piece of a hog that was like the whole hog? He broke it down mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, I probably yeah. would ate it that day. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, y'all. I probably would ate it that day. <laughs> it was it smelled it was it was just it it was it was an experience. It was it, was. it definitely was an experience. Um. Okay, all right. You haven't really said much. No, I've sir. been listening because um, <laughs> I understand hospitality from a different perspective. I understand mm. it as the person going in and just like not knowing nothing. I'm going there. I'm trying to figure out what the menu is even talking about. Right. So like, how do I, as a consumer, now educate myself on what they're even serving, on the culture of what it is mm-hmm. that I'm experiencing? You know. So that's where I'm at. So I'm learning a whole lot just listening to you. Um, I have questions dealing with, I guess, one, as a consumer, where do I go to, where's the education available for me to actually be able to understand what I'm going into when I go into these spaces? I think if you have to have an education to dine somewhere or to enjoy the atmosphere somewhere, Mm -hmm. then the service staff has deeply failed. Mm-hmm. I would right? say that's probably because most places, because, because and I think that service in our industry is declining rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm not saying that service needs to be staunchy or rigid for it to be good, but people are serving things and they don't even understand the menu. Yes. Hmm. Right? People are building drinks and they don't even know the history of the drinks. And like, if you are a good bartender or a good server, I always tell everybody, I was always a much, I'm like, people are like, oh, you're a good bartender. I'm an amazing server. Hmm. Right? I, I loved serving. I loved being on the floor. But you you are an educator if you are a server. Mm-hmm. And I think that people don't think that. Yeah. Right? You are an educator. Would you invite somebody into your house and serve them a meal and not explain to them what they're about to eat? You shouldn't. You would you 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 would like, oh, you yeah, I made this, this you be like this. I made this and this and this and this. Oh, this is my grandmother's recipe. Yeah. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, oh, well, you know, I add a little bit of this thing. And you go in and servers are just like they basically are order takers. Yes. Right. No different right? than going to a fast food it's a, restaurant. It's no yeah. different than going to the fast food restaurants, but then they have this entitlement of like, but I should be paid and you should be, and it's like, no, you are an educator of sorts when you're a server, is how I look at it. Um, and there's a way to educate people without being an asshole and yes. being vague. Like, you can have somebody come in and have them look at the menu and see that they're, one, you should already, as a server, have the three things you want to point out to people on yep. the menu. Right, and you should be able to very quickly and succinctly explain to people what the ingredients are, what's in it, mm-hmm. why it's delicious. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 but but that goes back to like, but who's training these people? Um, if but to also answer your question, if people want to um, educate themselves, um. You mean just literally on food items and things of that Food items, what that particular restaurant... Like, we talked about earlier, um, taking from, like, black culture Mm. and making it, like, this cool experience. So there is a Thai restaurant down the street from here. Um, Also, I just learned how to say Thai. I thought it was Thai. (laughs) You know? But that's... Is Thai or is it Asian fusion? But see, that's the thing. What's Thai? What's Thai? It's T-H-I. It's like, you go and get drunken noodles, you go and get, um... No, no, no. I know what Thai oh, yeah. food is. I'm saying the restaurant? Yeah, what restaurant? I think it's, 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 it's Thai Suko, I think. Thai Suko? Yeah. Where is it? It's right on Esplanade and... Um, no, Elysian Fields and like right before the French okay. Quarter. It's literally right there on the corner. They got great food. But when I go inside of there, um, they're playing like this lo-fi hip-hop music. And I'm listening and I'm like, yo, oh, this don't, music don't, is don't tight. But then I look at that. the bar... <laughs> And I see no black people. I look at the person that's taking my order, I, and it's I, this hipster white lady. I just don't... And then I, the people there are all white. I feel like this. If, like... And people can feel how they want to feel about it. But, like, if you don't service Negroes, then, like, you shouldn't be, like... You shouldn't be playing all of our shit. Well, that's... And definitely thing. if it has a whole bunch of N-words in it. I've straight up... I've straight oh, up no. said stuff to... I've straight up said, said, said things to business owners. Like, I'll be damned if you are a white business owner playing rap music and people saying the N-word up and down, right. and you think it's okay. Like, well, it's they not, might not even be... They might not even be singing a song for... It's just ambient background. It's just... It well, it's not even about them singing a place. song. It's, 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 disrespect, it's disrespectful because of the power dynamic. Okay. You're speaking just regards to, like, the N-word. Yeah. Okay. The, like, yeah, it, I was talking about, like, the fact that there's black music being black played. No, no, that's and, what I'm saying. And like, nobody but you're really saying, even notices except for me, because as... Because I'm black, and this is what I listen to. This is my shit. I can barely finish my food. I'm sick of the song. But exactly. I, just, I just... I think that... I just think that there's a disconnect there. Mm-hmm. 
right? Well, like it is. What, For me, a, when I experienced it, it was a disconnect, and I didn't see anybody black taking my orders. I didn't see anybody black working there, and I didn't get a chance to see the back of the house. But but uh, but but this is why actually visi- I did. There was visibility, a black dude in the back. Visibility is an access point. So while just purely having brown bodies doesn't like make a spacing like automatically make it inclusive or safe the visibility of it does give access though for people who look like them Mm -hmm. you know someone who sees a face that looks like they're in the business is much more likely to walk in than if a space if they don't see any representation of them no i agree with that 100 percent. and i mean and that's even why i i do the things that i do i do the work that i do and i make it known because a lot of my friends will ask me like Damn, gee, you be going here and then you just be like cool with it. I'm like, well, why not? Be, but, but, but I get that people are uncomfortable though. And because it is uncomfortable to consistently, especially in a black city, to consistently work in, walk in spaces that are all white. It's it fucking. It, it's, it's not like we're talking about Seattle mm-hmm. or Portland. No, you know not, what I mean? Everybody, little, everybody white. So yeah. it's not like there's not a disconnect from walking in the world of whiteness and then walking into a restaurant bar and that space still being white. Right. But there's a really strong dissonance when you are living in a black city and like submerged in black culture and then walking into restaurant bars and specifically it being rooted in whiteness. Yeah, no, you're right. But having all of the all of the like environmental aesthetics of blackness. Right. It's confusing. Um, it's confusing, and it's also like well, as a black person, it's, it's, it's confusing. It's. I think it's more than confusing. I think it's. Um, I think it's a shock to the system. Mm-hmm. Right, because what happen? What happens if you continually walk into all white spaces after leaving? After being submerged in submerged in black culture, mm-hmm. it, what it does is is that you can you get told the same narrative that these spaces aren't for you. Right. So what happens is that you people don't sh- go. People don't go. People don't go to, to those spaces, or, or they what is it, or they make their own spaces to be in that space, or, you have or to create your own. But when you talk about creating your own, from what I've seen, there are a few black restaurants where there are black faces mm-hmm. actually working black owners mm-hmm. and they are doing very well um the munch factory is one of them mm-hmm. but i see that um they have it a little bit harder when it comes to actually being like represented and standing yeah strong because in the industry of hospitality and food and beverage because they don't get the same support that white businesses do absolutely and that goes even with we want to take it back to Portia's piece mm-hmm. And about how food writers don't even write about black businesses in this city. Mm-hmm. more Or they give like a little one-liner. I'm sorry. Murrow's is packed and jumping 24-7. Yeah, Why hasn't time. anybody written a piece about that place? A full piece. More than a mention. Explain it to me. Yeah, it's I mean, got the aesthetics of all the white it places. Does. Yeah. It does. So what's the problem? And I mean, and knowing the owner, he's a pretty dynamic guy. Like he's got a, he's a young, he's not even 30 years old yet. Yeah. He's got a lot going Larry on. Larry isn't 30? Are you he, sure? Larry is not 30 years old yet. I thought he was 30. Nope. Um, making me feel old. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's a perfect example. And we don't have any black, like black food media in this city it's we don't really have anybody. Like, does any it of the, exist? No, 
I mean, there are people who do that work, but they're not hired. It's all white faces. And in New Orleans, a lot of times, diversity means white women. So, boom. So, I'm going to name some names of some people who are black in food and beverage who are in like who are really making great impact. So, you mentioned Ghetto Gastro. Um, I actually shouted them out a few weeks back on Instagram. Um, I've always just been a fan of their work, um, even prior to meeting them. And... Um, who else? Uh, there's a woman in also from the Bronx. Uh, her name is Tanya Fields. She um, has Mama Tanya's Kitchen and mm-hmm. the Black Feminist Project, which is more like food justice than mm-hmm. just, you know, about black feminism. Um, she's also doing a GoFundMe to raise money to really get the Black Feminist Project off the ground. Um, you've got Kareem Latif, you mm-hmm. know, someone I've known for a very long time from D.C. on up. Um, he's now senior manager for culture and programming for Martel Jameson and Tequila Avion at Premier which, which is dope. Which is dope. amazing. Got my boy Jerome Grant. I've known him since high school. He's executive chef, executive chef at Sweet Home Cafe at the National Museum of Arts, African American yeah, History and Culture. Um, and he's a 2019 James Beard Award semifinalist. You got my girl AJ Andre Johnson. Mm-hmm. She's a restaurant consultant. She's author of a book called White Plates. Black Faces and co-founder of DMV Black Restaurant Week. She's a sommelier um, and almost a Cicerone. Like, she's a certified um, level one beer uh, server. Um, and that's just naming some names of people like I, that I know personally or know of mm-hmm. who are making these great impacts in food and beverage and outside of even just like the just service role. And so I bring those names up to ask, you know, how do, how do you get to reach those levels, those more corporate and independent uh, 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 entrepreneurial roles? Hmm. Um, Since we're talking about access and being able to... Like, how do you get... I mean, I think it... I mean, I don't know if there's, like, a way, quote-unquote. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure, like, I'm friends with AJ. You know what I mean? And the way I'm also a sommelier. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And also, first-level Cicerone. You know what I mean? And... But our pathways into this industry are completely different. I like how you just slid all that in there. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I mean, I don't, I think, I, I don't think, like, I don't think most people know that. But yeah. like, I have one, two, and three of the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. Okay. Um, if I didn't have the other stuff going on, I, I would be trying to go for my fourth level so I could apply to be an MW. But like, yeah, I mean, um, but me and AJ's pathways of finding space in our career has been really different. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think also it's about do you work? I Corporate structures don't work for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've worked within one before, but most of the places that I've worked have been smaller mom and pop owner, you know, own, own spaces, which I personally prefer because it allows you more access to the person who makes the decision and signs your checks Mm -hmm. which means also direct access to someone who actually can help you get where you want to go in your career if you guys form a solid relationship um hmm I mean for one I think people have to start being more intentional about where they want to go in their career yeah I think for a lot of people in hospitality it's a scarcity kind of model of just trying to make it to the next job or the next gig. And I think that sometimes people don't allow themselves to dream or set goals about where they're trying to get to. And it's really important that you write write that down. And it's really important that you state where you're trying to go. 
Um, because you need to move intentionally and your decision should be based on trying to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I didn't do anything the way you're supposed to do it, so I don't know if I'm the right person to be giving advice. I don't think uh, any, any, like, <laughs> knowing, but no, yeah. the backstory of most of these people I just named, they didn't do it the way you were you supposed just to said, do yeah, it. Yeah, I am about to say, yeah, I mean, I, and that's what it kind of is, and I think one of the things is that you have to be willing for a lot of people in the hospitality industry when you, you know, I tell people all the time, what I'm saying and the things that I'm saying, that it has not changed. Mm-hmm. I've been saying these things since I've been in the industry. The difference is, and, and had a lot of people not want to hire me because of it, or have issues with me, or because I've been saying it. The only thing that changed was the climate. Yeah. Right? I didn't... My message didn't change. The climate changed. And other people were interested in hearing what I had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with that said, people have to be comfortable with the fact that, like... Be be prepared, A, for people to tell you no. I had people when, when I... Like, I still have people... I had people before Rat Resistance Urban Radical Exchange talking about that it wasn't going to be successful. Mm-hmm. That I wasn't going to be able to get sponsorship. And that they didn't see how it could have the sustainability to be more than a one-time thing. That's the opinion I have. That's, but that's... But, but, but you have to... I'm saying all of this to say you have to be willing to hear people tell you no. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to hear people tell you that, like, it won't be successful, that you won't do it. You know what I mean? And, like, what needs... You just need to be clear about what you're trying to do. And you need to be intentional about your choices. That's the best thing in the hospitality industry to have. Confidence is, like, the best thing for somebody in the hospitality industry to have. Yeah, for every industry. It's... Confidence is a great thing. But, like, you just need to be willing to have people say, oh, I don't think this is a great idea. And also just, like move business mind like yeah. move with a mind to business because not i just think like oh let me just take this service position because i need some money right it's, yeah. a, it's not just the well food. maybe that is maybe you do take that job because you just need that money at the beginning but then once you get that money coming in what's the shift right right like how i'm doing my social experiment <laughs> like <laughs> yes. this is literally a, i'm telling you like i'm like i'm 36 years old working as a bar back i am daily dealing with people, many of whom who are younger than me, um, who aren't black, talking to me Lacking in a way that's like, hold up, wait yeah. a minute, I know I look like I'm 12, but I ain't 12, Slim. I mean, well, <laughs> but, I, I, but again, I was aware of all of this going into it because having experience in that, in that industry, I know what comes with it. So, yes, I'm appreciative of the money that I'm making, but there's a much, much harder method to yeah, and, you have to, and you have to be like you just have to be in again it's about intention where are you trying to go I have people who will message me and you know and say things like oh I want to like I want to get to like where you're at and I'm like okay cool and they're like you know what are what are some of the things you did and I like tell them and they're like it's really important to understand what you're talented at and yes. what is a skill mm-hmm Talent is something that naturally comes to you. Yes. Every single person should know what they are naturally talented at, mm-hmm. and they should use that to their benefit. Yes. 
But it's also, you also need to be clear when you're saying that you want to be like someone who has a natural talent for something. Right. Right? Because you can't mimic that. Right. Right? That, especially because that might not even be your talent. And that right. might not even be your talent. Right. And then it's important to understand what you have as a skill. Mm-hmm. There are many things, and I think people sometimes um, equate these things as being the same, but there are many things that people think that... It, are a talent of mine, and they they're, they are skills I've honed. Mm. So they become natural to you, but only because of repetition. No, because because of repetition. But people have an assumption because a I'm young. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That oh well, it's not possible that you could have honed the skill, so it must be a natural talent of yours. And so when I explain to people like no, and this and this, and then I did this and this and this, they're like oh, you know what I mean? So yeah. don't make an assumption about how somebody got to where they're at, A. B, if you're truly asking, like, be willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, also, understand that, like, growth comes with sacrifice. Yes. So, like, what are you what are you willing to sacrifice to be in the position that you're saying that you want to be in? I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I'm broke as hell. Last year, I was out here... And that's what a lot of Acting people... like bags was endless. <laughs> and, you know, because I just, like, it was like... And, and, and I'm not... And I'm saying I'm, like, broke, not meaning, like, oh, like, down on me. I mean, I hate being broke. But I'm broke because I had to make a conscious sacrifice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be an entrepreneur and own multiple businesses? Or, like, do you want to be, like, rolling in dough working for somebody else for the rest of your life? Right. Not able to make decisions. Not be able to make decisions. Spirit. And so yeah. I had to make... And so I had to make a decision. Like, you can be out here having all this money working for other people or you can work for yourself just as hard and maybe you'll be broke for a little bit but you can start laying the foundation for having yes. wealth. Yes. And... So, you know, what are you what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to like how are you willing to be uncomfortable? So y'all are gonna edit this, right? No. No. <laughs> no, you I told right. you we strive for open honest dialogue. I know, yes. I know. I'm sorry, y'all. Yes. I'm a little tired today. I'm a little hungover. No. I hope this all no. makes sense. You're doing great. <laughs> Speak your mind. It's, it's Speak it's your perfect. mind. Yes. It's perfect. That's why I ain't saying nothing. Because so, I'm like, you on fire. You yeah, need take, to just keep going. So Okay. Well, you should. You should. Here's my advice: If you are up and coming in this industry, and you are like, "I like this industry. I love being in it. I'm not sure exactly what position I want to be. I don't know if I want to like own a restaurant or a bar. I don't know if I just want to be a manager. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what it is. That is fine. But you need to start writing down the things. And I'm specifically telling you to write it down because when you write shit down, you will see how things start to manifest. Yes. Like, you can say it all day long, but when you ready for it to happen, write that shit down. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, And so... Or create a vision board. Or create a vision board. That's still writing it down. I yeah, yeah you know what I mean? That's still, my wallpaper that's still, my that's still, I followed your cue on that. I have the same. Yeah. And I'm seeing different things, things. knocked off. That's like, a good idea. I, did I might that. I did do that. that. But, you, but, you, but you should write it down. And if you don't know, start writing down the things you do like about your job. Start writing those things down because you will watch those things come more to you. You know what I mean? And start really pinpointing what are the parts of your job that you love. Money. I, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I, I realized, I realized a while ago that I thought that 
I just loved beverage. And I do love beverage. But honestly, no. I love seeing the look on someone's face when you serve them something they enjoy. Yes. That is what I love. Yeah, it's like actually, serving. I actually love service. That is actually what I love. And it explains why I feel like I always had these really hard lulls in bartending where I wasn't happy. Because the engagement with the guest is different. Um, also, just like, people drink, treat, like, especially if you're like a black woman, like, treat bartenders like, like, they're really rude. Um, well, I'll, say, I'll say since I've been in New Orleans, service from the from the service side is a little different because I've never worked in a tourist area. Mm. And so I'm encountering a lot of people where it's just like, where these people come from? Oh, they're tourists, I forgot. Yeah. They might not get out that much. So they're a little different, you know? It's like Tourist for them, starlight. you know, like when it comes to drinking, you know, it's just like, it's turn up, you know, yeah, turn they, up time, just, like, like on a whole other level. And it's just like, time you've been outside man but you know i have to go like it's because they come to new orleans and they're like oh this is my playground i'm you know i get to but come it's here not. it's not it's this where people live exactly. and it's like you can come and have a good time with some place without being disrespectful yeah, and without like because i'll be getting mad when especially when um some of the the the, the male customers come and they'll refer to um the, uh, the 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 women bartenders is like sweetie and sweetheart, and I be thinking I'm like you know them. <laughs> I mean, but you have to deal when I so when I was behind a bar in the lobby, I used to deal constantly with like like I would have to be a hard ass because otherwise men would just like you give them an inch and you'd smile and they like oh, take I it. Love you. I, they take it to like giving you a room key and bothering you at work and then, then the last then you're stuck at a hotel with oh this is a hotel guest and now they're gonna bother me my next three shifts that I'm working you know what I mean and it's, it just becomes yeah. uncomfortable and I, I will say that like working is a service person a hotel is a whole nother ball game for this is also my fir- this is my first hotel uh, service it's a whole job nother, too, so, it's a whole nother ball game you know it's a whole nother um, ball game but I still would like if you if you just if I just don't if you're just doing too much in terms of like trying to get attention I'll just stand there and look at you like what you want you can come up here to the bar like everybody else you standing way back there you gonna be like hey come to the bar like everybody and I'm just I'm also waiting for somebody to do some wild shit like snap your finger like you snap your fingers hey excuse me excuse hey yo 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 that is like also for anybody listening that is like one of the most disrespectful rules. yeah nah you don't do that I'm be like I'm be like I'm standing and like, I can raise that. you can raise your hand and someone acknowledge you. Also, if a bartender's busy, you snapping your fingers isn't gonna suddenly make your drink come faster or for them to acknowledge you. Like no. they see you. They just haven't gotten to you. As a matter of fact, I will like if I'm in a busy bar and someone does that to me, unless you're holding out, like I'm I'm it doesn't even matter what you're holding out. Like, I'm ignoring you. The only way you're going to get me as a bartender to listen to that is if you had in it me a 20 straight just to freaking tip me so you can get some drinks. I think people need to consider, too, that... <laughs> like, like, that's the only way that's happening. Well, that's the thing. People need to also consider when they go to bars that the people who are making the drinks and serving the food are making your drinks and serving your food. You're going to 
to consume this stuff. So you're trusting these people on a certain level to do yeah. something very intimate for you, even though you may not experience Well, people experience don't think intimate. service is intimate, and I think the lack of intimacy in service is why we've seen service be so poor. Um, because people do not realize it is actually an intimate... It's an intimate experience. It's an intimate experience. It, it, like, and people actually don't understand that, like, when you... People... A lot of what makes me sad about the service industry right now is that people don't realize that we are there to serve joy. Yes. Right. Right. That's you know what I mean? Like, like at at its core, people come in for joy. Yes. Right. And so, and that doesn't mean that we can't like have like difficult conversations. It doesn't mean that like thing, but like people come to your space because they want to feel good. Yes, yes they do. Um, so I think redefining intimate to being um, experiencing joy and also a level of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say intimate, I think of like intimate setting, like warm, cozy, and it's not always that. Um, no, like no, 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 no. The one-on-one experience. The well, one-on-one sometimes on one it's the one-on-one too. But, but sometimes even the group experience. Think about it, the exactly. trust. Think about the level of trust when you have two servers waiting on a table of 15 people. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That There's so much trust that goes into that. Yes. And also, it frustrates me people who don't trust their servers or don't, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, yo, if unless they've proven that they should not be trusted. Right. Um, trust if, them. If trust them, right? Like trust them. You empower yeah. somebody so much. You empower somebody so much though when you allow them to guide you in the thing that they like that that they do for a living. Yes. It's why when I go to a lot of restaurants, I'm like, you guys decide what do you whatever you guys think is best. You know what I mean? Just like shoot, like I, that's what I'll have. And I and I'll do the same thing too because I want to know like okay. I come here because this place comes highly recommended, not necessarily from a review I read, but from somebody I know personally. Mm-hmm. So I want to see, like, okay, y'all know y'all shit. I'm gonna let y'all have. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see where we go. Who do you yeah. guys think has good service in the city? Have I been to enough places to answer that question? Okay. And that's what I was about to ask. I, I don't know hospitality the way that you guys know it. I know mm-hmm. it from like barista coffee. But you know what makes you feel good. Oh, yeah. I know it makes me feel good. And I know the experience that I like to give people when they come into my space as a barista. Mm -hmm. And that joy is important. There aren't very... I don't. I. I don't... I haven't felt like that in any space. I haven't really really dined out much since I've been... I've only been in New Orleans maybe six months on Friday. Okay, so you haven't dined out enough to know. Not that much. There's very few places... Very, very few places that I feel like spark joy. In terms of service, mm-hmm. I have. Well, I'd like to know some of them because I haven't been. To I. Any of them. It's been a very long time since I've left the place and been inspired by the service. Yeah, I might have liked the vibe of the place. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I like the vibe, I but it's been home. it's nah, been yeah. it's been such a long time yeah. since I've been inspired when by the, service. But when the vibe is good and the service and the people are not, I disconnect. I can't like go in and be like, I, I want to come back mm. here because I don't know what kind of experience I'm gonna get the next time I go in. You gonna yeah. play music? I like I have an like ambiance service, I like, and the people are gonna be trash. I feel like the service in a lot of places in New Orleans, even all these places that get write-ups, it's just really disconnected. It's 
really just like checking boxes. And is it more about the food and beverage than the actual service? I think it's, I think so. Yeah. And I also just don't think like even a lot of these people, like the servers don't even know what they're serving. Like the last three places I've been to, I've asked questions. They're like, uh, I don't know. I gotta ask the chef, and I'm like, Why don't you know this? Well, this is this is something else <laughs> too that I've You didn't have to take the rigorous test well, <laughs> before is... you became were allowed to, you know, go it alone as a server on the floor. Yeah, but like, how do you how do you what if someone says they have an allergy? Like, how do you guide them on the menu if you don't know what's in anything? Right. Well, it's not just the knowledge of that. I don't think people know how to connect with people. Yeah, that's true. I don't real. think people have people skills. I think people have, like, lo- I, you know what? You're actually right. I think people have just lost the art of socializing. Of and socializing talking yeah. and talking so, to people. So, boom. This would be a good place to ask to talk about this. Bar and restaurant consultant. You know, um, I know quite a few restaurant and, and bar consultants back in D.C. Um, someone who I work with at the lobby bar at Ace Hotels considering going into bar consultant, um, relocating and going into bar consultant. Cause I told her, I was like, well, if you want to go to D.C., you should do that because you can make a lot of money. Um, is it, but when I first got into service back in 2007, I didn't really hear about people saying, like, I'm going to be a consultant. I'm going to be a consultant. It's like now the thing that yeah. everybody wants to do and... Is it for money or for actually enhancing the experience? Or is it for fame? Or I, I think a lot of people I are. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people think they know what being a consultant is, and they don't. And I think a lot of people have this weird idea that they're going to like make a living off of selling recipes mm-hmm. for drinks. And I'm like, not that it's not possible. There are people who do that. You know what I mean? But they're few and far in between. Like, but are, are they even? They, are they even considering things like even just like design of the bar? When I consult, I consult on like actual concepts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like and vetting out concepts or helping somebody bring a concept to fruition. You know what I mean? It's like why somebody hires me for me to go poke holes on it and say, okay, that sounds great in theory, but like realistically. In terms of execution, <laughs> did it you know what I mean? Like yeah. How is this going to work? Blah, blah. How is this going to work? Is this efficient? Is this going to make money? I mean, I think that's consult- mm-hmm. it's just consulting across the board. board nowadays, yeah. Because now people, a lot of people, like, they don't want to work for anybody. But, like, well, consulting is the quickest way for me to go ahead and make some freelance But consulting income. is hard. It's not for the, um, like, I like it. It's a grind. But, like, it's not for the people who, like, you have to go out there and, like, catch your bags yeah so like when you talk about consulting um that's really more so the entrepreneurial part of it um as far as the go and create opportunities right but people don't understand like the basis of like consulting and oh my gosh they don't even know how to do the like well like it, the paperwork the, like, not even just the paperwork like the whole point of it is actually doing it for the culture of it yeah like my personal background is music. Like, that's what I know. So everything you're saying is, like, me but with music. Music, yeah. So, like, I get that shit. But I understand that I do what I do because of the experience of consuming it. Yeah. Like, how can you help this product be consumed better, bigger, brighter? Right, like, yeah. how can you interact with people mm-hmm. in a different way? Right. 
And that's people skills. Also something that's important in hospitality. Yeah. And that's also marketing and that's entrepreneurial spirit as well. If you work for yourself. Looking at it holistically. Some, holistically and also something that people are, that really, they kind of sleep on is like this I, me thing. When the idea of it is like, how can the whole Oops, team... The team. Well, and I just think everybody wants to be, like, a celebrity now. Like, everybody's like, so-and-so's got this. You know what I mean? So-and-so's got this and blah, blah. And, like, everybody just wants to be a celebrity. And I'm just like... It's not as cracked up as it sounds. I also just am, like, focus on, like... That's not sustainable. Right. Like, fame for most people is not sustainable. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, so you know, for me, that's not where my heart is. That's not where I'm aiming for. But you know, teach their teach their own. Hmm. So, you want to something else? I mean, I'm I'm thinking about a, a lot of different things when it comes to um, hospitality as an experience. Like I said, from the consumer, I, think- I need to feel like I am valued in this space. And I don't. Well, and I think the issue is that, like, there are few and far, few and far in between spaces that, like, center brown bodies, A, or even include them or think of them when creating the space. I just don't know, like, I wonder all the time. Yeah, I just don't know that people... Like, I just don't know that people even think about this or have... Like, I I wonder if white people who are opening restaurants even have these conversations. You know what? Like, when they're opening restaurants. Like, I wonder if anybody's like... I don't think they consider black people a consumer. No, they don't! I don't think that they think black but, people... But this is... Dollars. This is... They I, do I really, not... They I really don't. don't. I well, maybe, okay, maybe not Maybe not in food and beverage. Cause no, I'm just not like, in food and beverage. Okay, all right. I'm and and low-key, not in music. Not either. in... Low-key... Uh, Black people and brown people are thought of as an afterthought. They're not yes. thought about the... Again, it goes back to what I said about imagining the space. Okay. Who are you imagining the space for? If I'm whoever, Joe Schmo, and I'm like, I'm going to open up this restaurant, am I sitting there being like, ooh, and this is what I see and the people I see in it? And if I imagine that and I don't see any brown people in there, then that's... Something I just thought about, though, is I don't think it is that they don't see it. I don't think that they see it as consumers. I think that they see us as workers, as laborers, as people that's actually doing the but hard that, shit. But that, but that's, but that's my point about envisioning and how you imagine a space. Yes. Where yes, you yes. see people, you know, everything has a value associated mm-hmm. with it. So if you envision this restaurant and all the white people are seated and dining. And you don't imagine in that landscape any brown people or you could say any queer people. You know what I mean? If you don't imagine a dining room where people are speaking different languages, mm-hmm. if you don't, ma- like, yeah, right. you, then you don't, you don't build that space with the intention for them. Absolutely. So, it's a great segue to talk about before we move into random aside. Um, the Cook's Club. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> Come on, why are you, why are you saying? Oh my God! This, this, because your... the Cucks Club is like has been like what I a thought thorny, was going to be the e- it, I thought it was going to be the easiest thing, and it is becoming like I'm about to like. So you don't want to talk about it? 
No, we can talk about it. The okay. Cooks Club is going to be amazing whenever it finally happens. All right, well, let's talk, let's talk about what the Cooks Club <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, I want to talk about what is the Cooks Club. So, Cooks Club is a weekly pop-up event in restaurants around the city of New Orleans. Yes. All right, line cooks will be given the opportunity to work closely with established chefs, while you, Ashton, will lead a beverage program that will enable front-of-house staff to develop specialized skills relating to building and pricing a menu skills and attention that can help these workers in the long run as they rise into more powerful, higher-paid positions in the industry. What? No, no, no. Because I'm, I'm, I'm just... Yeah, oh, I was like, what? I'm okay. Like, that's what okay, so that's what it is. So, boom. So, that's the Cook's Club. So, yes. I think so, learn, reading about this, I'm like, okay, so, boom. That is one way that is a very hands-on, experiential yes. way to create these pathways of, like, greater access. Yes, so basically, there's like tons of organizations that do great work in New Orleans of getting people training to be line cooks or to work in back of the house um, or to go on to go to culinary school so that they can have even greater. But what I've noticed is that that has not translated to seeing women, black people, or specifically women of color being in leadership positions in back of the house or front of the house. Mm. And that's a problem. Um, because if we don't have more people like us in leadership, then we can't help shift spaces to be more inclusive of us. And that's, and when I say us, I mean us as in like everybody, every, because if every, you let every, black every, women in, everybody gets in. Right. So how many, how many, how many, you let a black queer woman in, how many, everybody, everybody getting in. Yes. How many Nina Comptons exist in New Orleans? She's the only one. I had to... She's the only one? I had to take a moment. Um, um, But... (laughs) But... There are... I mean, there's Leah Chase. But you're talking about... Are you talking about that Beard Awarded level... Most of her guests are white people. They they definitely spent dropping a coin... Yeah. Okay. okay. Nina, I, I was Nina, referring to places that aren't necessarily like because Nina, Dookie Nina, Chase is on is on Dookie the tour list. Is, yeah, mm-hmm. and Dookie Chase is different, and it's a whole different. Name. If you're talking about that, then yeah, like Nina is the only one. Okay. Okay. And but the, but then there's also a conversation about like Nina's also not from here. Mm. Nina also already has social and financial capital before she moved here. Mm. So she was already at advantage. She was already at an advantage. And she and for for people who don't know, Nina Compton is the uh, the executive chef and owner of Compare Compa- Compare La Pen. Compare La Pen. And Bywater Bistro. Oh, okay. Also, her advantage doesn't discredit her either. No. I think it's important to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't, doesn't dis- discredit it doesn't her. discredit her, but I think it's important to note that like people who have moved to New Orleans, myself is included in this. Have had All much. Three of us at this table. I about to say oh, have dang. had much more of an opportunity to leverage our experiences other places mm-hmm. to climb here quickly yes. more than people who are even from here mm-hmm. and have been in working in this industry. And it's just yeah, really absolutely. important to note that. Absolutely, I agree. I, you know, but yeah, I think you're right. Like, why is Nina the only one? Because we know for damn sure that there are tons of like other women, black women chefs in this city. Absolutely. And and the question is, why aren't they being supported to have their own place? But then this also goes back to, like, why are all of these places um, 
you know, look at all of these restaurant groups that, like, have these, like, large restaurant groups, and I'm... I don't know the restaurant groups in, in, in New Orleans. Well, there's, like, Bash and all this stuff, but, like, why aren't any of these people supporting or financing up-and-coming chefs? They all give to these organizations that help line cooks and people of color become line cooks. Why ain't none of them investing money for these motherfuckers to open restaurants? So let's put a period right there. What I did have a question. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I did have a question. Um, we can kind of, I guess, group this particular question aspect into the last point of um, larger organizations supporting people who can pretty much be leaders in mm-hmm. what the culture and what this is. This particular economy is about, which is service, hospitality, mm-hmm. entertainment. Um, so I'm been studying how, what is leadership and what is management, and I haven't mm. been studying it in school. I've been studying it through the place that the I work. work. Yeah. So, um, what is leadership versus management to you, and how important is it that they intersect in hospitality, service, food and beverage? just working with people period management is so hard um it's really difficult and it's really difficult because the way that you're shown and taught to manage in hospitality is by exerting authority and consistently reminding people that you're the person in power Hmm. and it's really toxic a lot of places um and I think that people think like when it comes to management people become really binary right like they either want everybody to like them or they like are really hard I was a really hard manager when I was at Ace but that's for a whole host of reasons um management is really about guiding people and I think a lot of people don't realize that but management is really about guiding people Guiding people and leadership is about inspiring people. Hmm. Hmm. I could see that. I yeah, see that. I mean, if I'm just gonna put it really simply, that's how I would well, say. Yeah, in simple, yes. That in the simplest, yeah. Like I, I definitely think it's more than that. But leadership is really about inspiring people. So if you are a leader on your job, if you're a leader at, at any place that you work. We'll, again, focus on um, food and beverage, hospitality. Um, and you're not a manager. Would that mean that people would gravitate towards you versus management and listen to yeah, you instead I think that, of management? I think that happens a lot. <laughs> that actually has happened to me at jobs. Um, I think that happens a lot. And I think management, a lot of times, sees those people as a threat rather than bringing them into the fold and realizing how much of an asset that is for them. Boom. Glad you said that. That's something that I'm experiencing. Yeah. I mean, because, again, it goes back to what I originally said about how a lot of people see management as about authority and power. Mm -hmm. So if someone is threatening the power construct, they immediately become oppositional to that person. So is there a way for a person who is a, I don't want to say natural leader, but a leader um, who is inspiring the people around them to um, kind of balance out the interaction in a way that that engagement looks between leadership and the people who they view as management is there a way to navigate that for the person or for the for the person to not be um 
Oppositional? Oppositional, yeah. I mean, and I still, think you just, you I know. think you just simply say it directly to management. Interesting. I'm all about transparency because it holds people accountable, right? So once you've acknowledged that, like you, you acknowledge that you feel attention. Like, what are they going to do? Be like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, they can, but that tells you already a ton right there. Mm-hmm. Um, no response is also a response. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Silence right? is everything. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I would just be transparent and be like, look, I feel this tension, and I think it's because of this and this and this. Correct me if I'm wrong or if you see it differently, but I just want to acknowledge it because I don't think this means that I have to be oppositional. Mm-hmm. I want to be clear. I don't feel that. No. In my position. Yeah, no, no, I'm just... But I know that that does exist because a yeah. lot of times people don't know how to navigate it. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, transparency, I think we've, you know, like, one, you you also have to know if you can be transparent with the management and your bosses, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you can't, then that's a red flag right there. Absolutely. Um, But also in just, like, really being cognizant. I, I, I think transparency is the best way because, it holds, again, it just holds everybody accountable. Hmm. No one can say that the conversation has not been had. No one can say that they didn't know what your intentions were. No one can say that they... There's no creating a narrative and a storyline that you want to tell because we've already just acknowledged exactly what it is. Absolutely. I think you can just even naturally get to that point if you have been working quite some time and you're just like, you know, and it's you realize it's the same pretty much at every place. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, you know what? At this point, I can't even fear the loss of anything because it's just like my, my dignity and my sanity is on the line. So, right. you know, y'all are going to take it or leave it. If y'all ain't going to take it, then that means that I need to start looking elsewhere mm-hmm. for right. something that's more tolerable. All right, so boom. All right, we definitely got to burn through this random aside. All right, so random aside has absolutely nothing to do with anything we just talked about. Okay. <laughs> it's just your thoughts on the world around you. Okay. okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the flyest thing you've ever done? <laughs> I told you. Um, I don't know. Pass. <laughs> I don't feel like I've done it yet. You ever done it yet? Okay. And there's like no I've right or wrong answer. Yeah, I don't feel this like I've done it. This is completely subjective. You, I don't feel like I've completely done it Completely subjective. In, in the episodes that I've heard, you're the first person to, to say that. Pass. And I think that that is fly within itself. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I must say, yeah. yeah, I don't think I've done it it's yet. It's completely subjective. All right. Is it possible to make the process look sexy? Absolutely. All right. Describe life of Kanye West as president. Like, life as an American citizen what would life be like if he were president I still want him to run by the way yeah I think I think think it'd be entertaining I think it would um it'd be excellently produced because he and really, the State of the Union. Uh, because he would I mean he would make sure he would definitely add the White House would look very different. Yes. I wanted to change um, the anthem. Yeah. Change the he anthem. would probably change the he probably would change the anthem. Probably, but got, well, probably not to something it. that probably not something we would want, but he'd probably definitely <laughs> change it. Um the the dinners would be outrageous and over the top. Yes. Um, he would probably not allow people who don't have fashion sense, which would cut out 
most Everybody. of the people in the United States Thanks. of America. Um, <laughs> um, if he was president, I mean, he might be forced to get mental health. Like, only because he's black. Well, no, I mean, he has mental health problems. No, I'm just saying, yeah. he would be forced to only, only because, because he's black. black. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because Donald Trump definitely has some mental health problems. Um, yes. Man, he, you can't tell me that man ain't got dementia. Like, he, so I, <laughs> dementia I think... Dementia and sociopathic physician, all He's sociopathic, for sure. So I definitely think that it might end up being good because oh. someone would force him to get assistance. Okay. And then he... Actually, used to really care about people, so he could turn it around and end up doing some decent things. Mm-hmm. Maybe, probably not. <laughs> but it depends, though, because you never really like lose that. You spark never really of lose it, so people. you never know. But I don't. But like, I don't want to think about that because then we have to think about the Kardashians being in the fucking White uh, House, yeah. and like that. Chris might end up running the whole show. And well, Chris, they are Chris Jenner people. might end up holding the Kardashians. Are, okay. Well, no, 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 no. no, no, Wait, no let me no, change no, that. Let me change no, that. No, They're not no, freeing no, people. people. They're not freeing people, but they are advocating. Advocating. I don't know how I feel about that. First of all, only Kim is advocating. And she's helped two people get released who already have had significant amount of work done by people on the ground and advocate groups. So I'm yes. not about and to she's even taking give her, the credit. And she, You're right. And she's taking the credit like she did a whole bunch. And it's like, no, these things were probably already going to happen. Yeah, I learned. You know about, what I mean? And there's, I learned yeah. about Satoya Brown way before probably even Kim Kardashian did. And so, in Centonia Brown, that would that that was already moving that way, and there had been tons of advocates and lawyers and other people who had been working towards that for years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not like good for her for lending her name, but I'm not about to give her a cookie for doing like one good thing out of all the shitty shit she does. Absolutely. What's the kindest thing you've ever done that you never got credit for? Nah, that's weird. I, I <laughs> like okay. that's weird. That's okay. like a weird like ego thing like you mm-hmm. like I don't like kind of shouldn't be predicated on getting something back okay be rich where you are or live wherever you want on your current income <laughs> be rich I mean I don't know <laughs> I mean Lord Jesus um, you, you in the struggle right now well not the struggle but you in the grind right now yeah I'm in the grind right now I'm like I don't what um <laughs> I mean, I always know how to turn a dollar into two. Okay. So, and, like, I do live wherever I want. You know? I've okay. lived in, like, five, five, six different places. You know what I mean? So, I do, like, so, I guess, uh, okay, I guess, nah, I don't know. What does it mean? Like, what is rich? Like, a million dollars? Two million dollars? Is it even money? Is it even money? Like. I mean, I've... I've said the other day, you know, success to me is having time and location freedom. Mm. If I can have time and location freedom, I'll be, you will never get a bad day out of me. <laughs> Ever. Oh, uh, all right. Name I'm the, so bad at this, I'm sorry. You are not bad. No, no I told you, it's completely it subjective. There's no <laughs> right or wrong thing, like, You're doing amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you are amazing. You're being honest. You're doing amazing. We just want people to so be honest. Good. Okay. Uh, name the best chicken spot anywhere. Anywhere? Anywhere. Yes. I mean, you mean fried chicken? Chicken spot. That's just, no. Well, we can do fried. If you want to do fried, we can do fried I chicken. mean, yeah, I about to say, because chicken, well, I really only like chicken if it's fried. Okay, you know, you know what? what? I'll admit, when I came up with that, I was thinking fried chicken. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, that's a hard one, because it all depends on, like, what kind of 
fried chicken you like. So like, I gotta give a give it up for my you know our Korean people, but Korean fried chicken tops all other fried chicken. I'm sorry, I like, it does. I, I enjoy some good yeah. Korean fried chicken. Some yeah, good. I be I be like double big old fried, wings, double man. fried chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah like the, the Korean fried, give me the, the big the, chunky the, wings. wings. Yes. Yeah, the, yes. The, like With the sweet you, and sour sauce, if I'm weird. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good. I'm not, but, even, I'm not even mad at Bonchon, even though every 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 Yelp and Google review always gives them no more than three stars. I'm still not mad at Bonchon because they're reliable. Bonchon's reliable okay. for Korean fried chicken. But I would, but I'm gonna say if we're talking about like the best fried chicken is just like cheap and good, and you can eat it cold. Mm-hmm. Like that's how you oh, know fried yeah, chicken yeah, is yeah, good yeah, is yeah. if you can yeah. eat it cold. Yeah, and. So, one, if we're talking about chains, love Popeye's. Okay. Like, if we're talking about fast food fried chicken, ain't nobody... Is no, Popeye's different here than other places to you? It is. Is it? It, I it tastes. It. it tastes different. I ain't noticed it. It, it, it tastes the same to me. And I ain't a lot of Popeye's in my life. Like, in many it? different places. I think I, like, when I was in New York eating Popeye's, it never tasted good. Okay, maybe not New York. It never tasted it good. It tasted the same to me then. No. D.C., Philly. No. Wherever. <laughs> I, I lived in Indianapolis. In Indianapolis, it tastes the same to me. Fair. I mean, to And in Ohio, in Dayton. Dayton, it tastes the same to me, too. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, but yeah, but if you're talking about local fried chicken, I mean, chain, Popeye's, if you're talking about local fried chicken, um, I'm going to have to go with the fried chicken at like all fried chicken gas station fried chicken here is amazing. Oh my god, <laughs> the gas station so like the all like all of it fire like it's like cold boys like, all of the shrimp. gas station fried chicken. Oh, is I know like, after, after afterwards, it's fire. That chicken on the street, the brothers on Carondelet. Brothers be hard. I walk up. It's a place right down the street. That gas station is hard. But Brothers is actually better. Honestly, what I love about Brothers more than the fried chicken is honestly those steak fries with Tommy seasoning. I gotta try that. Oh yeah, I had. I just yeah, I'm gonna have to try the that. Chicken box. That's I go it. for the chicken box and the biscuit. I don't even get the biscuit. I'm being, <laughs> I get the biscuit. I don't need the I'm carbs. Being, <laughs> I'm being basic. The steak fries. The steak fries with the Tommy sauce after they soak up that At fried chicken. Okay. Boom. Yeah. All right, so we got to put that on We got to go to Brothers and then do the whole thing. Because I've been to Brothers, but you know. (laughs) But then if I was in Chicago, I'd definitely have to say Harold's. Harold's. I knew, I I figured that was going to be the first thing. Because everybody that either lived in Chicago or, you know. Then I have to say Harold's. But Harold's is about that combo salt, pepper, mild salt. Mild salt. Yeah, the mild salt. That sauce, though. I have to get Harold's every time I'm home. And it's like, and I always bring back some mild sauce. Yes. You got to bring back the mild sauce. I got to get somebody from. I gotta get somebody from the DMV to come on and wax poetic about mumbo sauce. That's uh, not me. That's not me. I gotta taste the mumbo sauce because if it's like if it's anything like Harold's, I it's, give it now, that. Now mild but sauce. Harold's is no, like my, so I've never had mild sauce, but people from Chicago who are, who have lived in DC tell me it's very different from mumbo sauce. It's mm. very different yeah. from mumbo sauce. I am not the biggest fan of mumbo sauce to, okay. to, to each their own, um, but mild sauce. Okay. I mean, that's you like know your order. It's yes. like a thing. Yeah. It's like yes. Well, I'm going you know, in, I'm I, I still mild sauce. No, that's really I it. go in. I get the five wings. Five wings, fried hard, salt, mm. pepper, mild sauce. Mm. Well, see, that's how we order the chicken with the mumbo sauce. Like, however many wings you want, whatever. Or mumbo if you want enough fries, fried gizzards. Oh, they gizzards tight too. Yes. Yes. They get us. I love it. Right, we're gonna add yes. Chicago okay. to the to the travel list. All yes. Right. Boom. 
Is Nas' album really done? Oh, God. <laughs> well, one, I just can't with Nas. Um, he needs to get his life together, and until he apologizes to police for being an abuser, like, I, like Nas is the ultimate undercover hotep. He's like, my queen, I love women, but then has, like, two exes who both say that he beat their ass. Uh, so, like, Nas is trash. I, I, I don't give a damn how good his uh, his old albums were. He's a hotep, and, like, I I I operate in a no-hotep zone. Okay. I'm, 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 I, you know what? Shut up. No, okay. So, 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 so check this out. Nas is my favorite rapper, always has been. However, you brought up very valid points that I cannot dispute. Yeah, no, nah, you I can't, can't dispute, dispute that. I can't dispute. It's like it's like you got you got one ex that's like, okay, yeah, we went through a bad patch. But then you got two? You it's got like, two you did this shit again? You got two. Not think, one, I, you got two. I, I, I think I think this last incident with Khalees when she when she started talking when she basically came out and said I was like, I think they paid her off to to, to, to leave it alone. Cause she just got quiet all of a sudden about it. Like it just went away. <laughs> I mean, I think they Y'all probably can't see did. The it just, it, right now, but no, it really because it just went. Her face is it like it went away. Just, I was nah, like, nigga. nah, they gave her some. They gave her some money to just I let also that just go. Think, I also just think people tried to bring it back up like it was something like she hadn't said that shit years ago. Mm-hmm. Like people tried to be like, oh, and da da da, because it was now an interesting talking point. And she said that shit when she divorced his ass. Mm-hmm. When y'all asked why y'all not together no more, she said, cause that nigga was beating my ass. <laughs> and y'all were like, "Oh, that's awkward." I'm gonna pour out a little man Nas and drink because yeah. that wasn't the language we expected. <laughs> Sorry, and that was cool. No, not you. No, but, but when she said, said it, yeah, it wasn't like, the language that they, they were like, "Oh." And I, I still, I still oh, okay. have, well, I still nice have, dress. Dress. yeah, they were like, oh, okay, well, that's awkward. I still have a crush on Khalees, too. Oh, yeah. She's God, beautiful, yes. and she's yeah. amazing, she's, and I just yeah. think that the fact that he's, like, trying to be, like, woe is me, him and Tyrese has, trying to be, like, woe is oh, me. Oh, no, there's no room for Tyrese in, 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 on this show. All right. No! Nah, for real. No, I mean, but there's no room for No room. Nah, bro, Jody, stay your ass over there, Jody. All right. Oh. You just had a shitty day. What's your comfort food or vice of choice? Oh my gosh, depends on what type of shitty day. Um, if it's like career shitty, then like I like to make myself like a meal. Like cooking is therapeutic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I like to just cook something. Lately I've been really into making um curry goat mm. or oxtails and stew. Right. Um, I've been I've been Shout like out really to Caribbean massive. Yeah, I've been like I'm, I'm really so that that that, that okay. touches me in a special place. So yeah, I've been really into making oxtails lately. Um and I love making oxtails with gravy and mm. then having it with some like stone grits. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And a poached egg in the morning. Oh, okay. Actually I got a question about the grits. Have you had uh, the cornbread yet? I have. What you think of them? It depends on who makes them. Okay. Let's say Let's say Melba. Not like our, not like we can design it the way we want it to be, but let's say just <coughs> standard. It comes from Melba's. No, I'm good. I can pass. Okay. I don't need them. You know. Mm-hmm. But I, I've had them and they can be like really, really good. So yeah. So that I, I, could, I like if I'm having a shitty day, like relationship stuff, like man problems, which 2019, I'm like no. No. Um, I'm about to say. 
Already it's only, it's only it's just now March. Nah, we ain't either, <laughs> either, either we together and we communicating or we not together at all. Hey, that's the movement I'm moving in is like if you ain't got a stack to throw on it, we can't talk. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just no, like that's at the is. point. That's at the, that's the point. We're, we're all at the age where it's just like, look, what we doing? Because if we ain't doing this where we can partner up, like for real, for real, and like be move, broken again. yeah. So like, if can we break bread? What we what are we like, both bringing to the table? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm or just. Or can like, we get it together? Like, are you in therapy? Is my number one question. Oh, that's another. When thing guys, too. when guys are like, oh, oh you know, thing. like what's going on? You and I'm like, are you in therapy? That's a that's a whole nother show because people don't understand when you like, with somebody are you bringing your therapist issues to me? We, we should or my we, we own should get emotional a mental, issues. We should get a mental health professional on one of the, an upcoming episode. That's a so good idea. That, that, that is a real thing. That's a conversation I have with. That is a serious thing. I don't want to bring this to you because I don't know if I need therapy or if I'm just feeling something right now. I, so I, I think it's my mental health professionals out. listening. Hit us up if you and you're based in New Orleans. Hit us up. Come on the show. Yes. All right. I mean, I think it's important. I think it's important to be able to vent to your partner. But like, I am over this um, idea that like black women are supposed to help groom, grow. What was this bullshit that they were talking about? Got time birth, for that birth, shit, man. Birthing your man. I didn't hear that. I didn't I hear that. Know. But that's what not your job yeah, yeah. as Who's my it? partner. I forget spouse. his name. Some problematic ass reverend. Nah, that ain't your job. That's woman. my mom's position. Or my grandmother or something like that. Somebody who was supposed to raise me up until manhood. But mm-hmm. that's not y'all's position. Also, it's not our position to do the same thing for y'all. So no, I, I mean, I think there should be mutual support, Just but like, you should, it's you mutual. should go to therapy. Exactly. It's, it's a partnership, partnership and it's mutual. Not like codependency. And it's not you know? dumping. Yeah. It's not emotional, mental, mm-hmm. stress dumping bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's his, yeah. I'm in control of my shit. And if I'm not, I need space to get space to get my shit together and I may need support not like holding my hand or funding my shit just yo you good yeah I'm good no I'm not good you want to talk okay I got about this much time to talk I can't go into this particular area with you but I want to know how this is going and also just like learning that just because you're like partners with someone doesn't mean that like y'all have to agree about everything in life or like be at the same place and everything it's just about the communication or be doing the same thing or be doing the same thing it just means like are y'all able to communicate about where y'all are so Mm -hmm. that y'all can like but I think that's the help but I drink I, I drink mezcal if it's that (laughs) <laughs> so I, I refer to mezcal as uh, 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 tequila all grown up, because the the, the the smokiness of it will throw most people off if they're not I real like drinkers cow. like that. But like that's why I took the mezcal because I like the smoky flavor of it and the, just the, com- the complexity of it compared See, to. I gotta try it. I love uh, yeah, it's good. I love mezcal, but if it's that, it's generally something agave. But like, hopefully, I'm just walking into 29. So I got my cards read at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. And, whew, it was rough. I got my car the other day. Yeah, and and she said a lot of great things, but she was like, you know, 20, 2018 was... 2018 was an amazing year, but, like, I don't think people saw all of, like, the the behind-the-scenes hard work and, like, grinding that it went on. Sexy from it looked sexy it, From the outside, it's like, oh, girl, you just blowing up. You just did it. You know what I mean? But they don't understand. That, that should be hard. That should be hard. And she was like, you know, 2019 is going to be just as hard in different ways and just as hard and then she also was like you're gonna lose a lot of friends that's cool which yeah, is like yeah yeah that's cool i'm all right with but that. preparing yourself 
and it's never the people you think it's gonna be hmm. which is what makes it really interesting and I've already like started to see like now that radical exchange is off the ground and resistance service happening and other things are happening cause there's like there's stuff that I've been laying the groundwork for for like a year and a half that's finally going to be like popping off this year and yeah. I'm like super excited about it and it's interesting to see who clap who claps with you yes and you start to see that support and who clap and who clap who who ain't clapping who ain't clapping we ain't, yeah. mm-mm, nah I ain't and it's and it's and it starts being and it gets really interesting when you're like oh and it doesn't mean like it has to be like negative or this big dramatic thing mm-hmm. but I've definitely have been taking notice and choosing who I give my energy to yes. and who deserves who deserves to like be in my intimate space okay. yeah. alright name three places in your city to take a first time visitor um which city <laughs> I let I, well, I was gonna let her just pick whatever city she wants yeah I wanna know oh, if it was, I, I mean I guess I'll pick well I guess like people already <laughs> kinda know where to go in New Orleans so If, but but do they? Do they? I mean, if I like if, my people here, they're not from here. They have no idea. I would take people. I would take people to Maple Leaf. To hear, yeah, just I because. I've heard of Maple Leaf. Okay. Wait, really? I have six months. Six months. Oh, okay. <laughs> I ain't heard of it either. Um, I've learned as much as I can as quickly as I can. So, but yeah, Maple Leaf. But okay. like, if you want to hear like a traditional New Orleans like band, like. Like it's great, okay. it's amazing. Um, Is Rebirth, Rebirth, Rebirth. Okay. Th- that's who performs oh, there. All right, okay. Re- Rebirth performs there, and so I always think that that's a great experience. Um, it gives money to that local community. It's very New Orleans esque. There's a lady outside cooking food and serving plates. You know, it's like I think it's like it's authentic. Um, there's a lot of tourists there, but it's still a good time. Okay, I would take people there. City Park, if oh, it's like yeah, nice out, go people never yes. people never take people to City yeah. Park, but City it's like so beautiful, yes, especially like take advantage of the fact that we can drink outside. And you should a ride a bike there. Yeah, true. You should ride a bike if you go. True. Um. So I love that. And then the third thing I would do is probably I always take people to Bacchanal. Mm-hmm. Which, Bacchanal. Mm-hmm. You don't get out often. I know it's only been six months. I don't get out often, but you get out, and you still ain't heard about Bacchanal. Yeah, I haven't, so tell me about it. Bacchanal is is actually just down this way, and it's an outdoor, like, basically wine bar, but it's like, and they have some food, and they have live music, but it's just like a really fun time. I'm going to go. Locals Mm -hmm. and tourists go. I'm going to go. It's a fun time, but generally people go, you go with a couple people, you get a (coughs) bottle, you sit down, you listen to music. I ain't know tourists came up this way. Nah. I'm a tourist. I didn't know tourists came up this way. I just thought gentrifiers came up this way. What are they? Colonizers. I just thought colonizers came up this way. All right, all right. Oftentimes, tourists become colonizers, so. If if you were diagnosed with a rare disease and told the only way to live was to exercise five days a week, how long would you last? The rest of my life until I die for something else. Man, this... So, I said this the last episode. Every person we've talked to in New Orleans and we've had asked that question... They gonna live. Mm-hmm. They gonna live. So, boom. I'm about to say, yeah, like, like that's crazy. Like, it is what it nah. is. And, 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 I love and my DC, life. Some people was like, oh, I just be dead 
<laughs> I mean, no, that's that, crazy. Like, if that, if that's that's such an easy thing. Like, right? Because as I was telling him, like, exercise could be like you just walk around the block. Yes. Exercise could be anything. Yeah. Exercise, yes. exercise could be pole dancing. You can learn a whole new trade. Yes. People think about going to the gym and shit. All right. What is the name of the first person you kissed? Do you oh remember this God. person's name? <laughs> Are you still in contact with them? Might they listen to <laughs> like, this like show? Like a peck, like a. Or the like first a, person you kissed, however you want to... The kiss that counted. Label that. When the you kiss was like, that counted. When you were like, oh shit, this is my first kiss. Oh wow. You had to call your homegirl about it. Yeah. His name was Ricky. Okay. Um, he unfortunately passed away in a shooting when we were, when we were in high school. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, and Ricky was fine. It's <laughs> fine as hell. Um, and so you definitely hit up one of your homegirls about this. Well, they all saw it. And they oh, were oh like, they saw it. They saw it. Was that some dead type shit or something? No. Um, he was really, he was, he was really sweet too. Um. No, they like saw it. I was like over, I don't know. I was like over talking to him or something like, and he just did it. He like out of nowhere, he just like gave me this kiss, and I was yes. like, kind of like taken aback and everything, because I was like kind of nerdy, but also like kind of like bad. Like I got in a lot of trouble in middle school. Okay. Um, and I was like really shocked that like, out of all the girls, I was like, why is he kissing me? You know what I mean? And um. Then he was just like, I really like you. And then we like talked on the phone all the time. But Okay. Well, shout out Ricky. Rest in power, brother. Yes. Rest yeah, in power. It, yes. It, it was like, he was so sweet. He used to like, he used to like bring me lunch. Like his mom would like always pack up these like crazy lunches. And he would like, when we started like dating, he would like bring me one. He'd be like, my mom made one for you too. <laughs> hey. That's cool. That's cool. His mom got it though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, she was like trying to help him out. She was yeah. like, yeah, she got it. Like, yeah, she was like, um, but then like you're talking about like, no, nah, that 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 that, yeah. that could be the one. Yeah, that's that could one. be the one. I, I, mean, I mean, I think it took it took until high school before I had like the butterflies in love. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nah, be the thing. I, 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 like, be I like, like the Ricky story. I, I like the like Ricky. It. It'd be like this is the introduction, and then this is actually the story now. Yeah. Like now I know about. Okay, this exists. Shit, this is like actually yeah. happening now. Oh my gosh. When did it So that crazy work? the first time you fall in love. Yeah, God. But yeah. I love it. <laughs> do, do you believe the producers of Family Feud secretly want to start a race war? Cool. Is that that show that Steve Harvey is on? Yes, yes, yes. And it's always the black family versus the white family. Oh, is it? Yeah, because back in the day when they used to have a white host, it wasn't like that. No. Now it's like always oh, the black family versus Back in the day family. when it was the white host, it seemed more like it was like husband and wife against each other, that sort of thing. That yeah. They were like trying to push. I mean, no, I I mean, but who knows? Steve Harvey. Well, see, I don't blame Steve Harvey. I'm talking about just the producers. Well, Steve, Steve Harvey, Harvey, you got to play the game to change it. <laughs> he just collected a check. He ain't trying to change the game. That Negro, Steve that Harvey knows what's going on. Like, look, I'm just collect this check, but I know what's going on. I, I know, things. I know what's happening, but I'm. Steve Harvey keep... don't care, even if they were, <laughs> even if they had told him. Isn't he a producer on that show though? I I don't know. But I what does that really mean? Yeah. All right. Well, okay. no, I I don't think so. Don't I think, think so? that they just think it makes more interesting TV. Okay. 
You're on an episode of Shark Tank. What are you pitching and wearing? Uh, if I'm on an episode of Shark Tank, I am pitching probably for Radical Exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, and what am I wearing? Mm, probably like a pastel power suit. Mm. Thinking like lavender. Mm. Okay. Right. Ankle lift, straight leg, maybe a three piece, maybe a vest. The vest. Gold accents. I was about to say, what kind of accessories? What's, what's, what's the accent? Okay. Gold accents, I think. Yeah. Something like lavender, you can only do gold. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking like lavender. Or, or maybe a, or, or like a, or like a peach. Maybe even like a peach color suit would be really nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Top three artists to change your mindset. Musical? Or just any artist? You say musical. Artist. Musical? Oh. Musical. Um... Hmm. Fela. Okay. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I definitely have to say Fela. Okay. For sure. Lauren Hill. Okay. I mean... Not now, but back in the day. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I know what you're talking yeah, about. When you say Lauren Hill, we all know what, you, what, 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 what era you're talking about. Lauren Hill, yeah. but Lauren Hill. Hill. Back yeah. in the day. You know. And then... 1999, um, Lauren Hill. Yeah. <laughs> you know... Nah, nah, her Unplugged series was amazing. Yeah, her Unplugged series. Yeah, I, 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 I still I, listen I, to that. I, I still or Fuji, listen to Or even Fuji's Lauren Hill. Yeah, yeah all of that made me think a ton. Like, all of that. Yeah. Um... Quincy Jones. Mm. I appreciate that. I appreciate you saying his name. Alright. Name the last amazing album you heard. Uh Solange's album. Which? The 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 live from the kickback album she just put out. We go, we gotta say that for another that listen to I want to talk about it. Maybe not now. We can't talk about it. But I want to talk about it because I heard some of it and I was listening and I was like. She should have called it live from the kickback. And I've heard some <laughs> opinions on it too. So people are like, some. first of all, some black people are just like mad salty that it's not like a traditional album. And I'm like, y'all, black people get to create all types of art too. Exactly. We create. Yeah. Like, so it's I'm like. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you that's what I heard. It. I was just like. Okay. You weren't impressed. I'm like, okay. You know, you had you had people come through. You're like, you know, fuck it. I'm gonna put out an album. People gonna like it. And that's what that's that's my take. I mean, I, there's a couple songs on it that I do like, but, but I don't think like, it's it's not a it's not a um it's not a traditional album. Like I don't no. see it as an album. It's a. It's almost like if you looking at a wall and you splattering paint on it, but in. Music and it's not just splattering any kind of paint. You're very intentional. Pitch it all. You're a type, type of paint. paint. You, yes. it's, it's a big, and the way the splatter hits. It's like if you were to go to a visual exhibit, except for it's music. Mm-hmm. That's the way I saw it. Like okay. it yeah, made the way that I listened to it was like, oh, I could see this being in a museum, mm-hmm. and I could see moving from gallery to gallery. Oh, have you seen what's it called? A uh, the. Have you Flyers. seen the visuals? Yes. No, not her visuals. I was thinking on Spotify, if you if you open, if you click on every song, Damn. it's like a video. The name of that song. Uh, whole, have you watched it all together? I haven't watched it all together. No. You should watch oh. it all together because as soon as every for it most tells of the people the who yeah for most of the people who like weren't in love with it and then they saw the like the whole thing they were like ah oh. 
Okay. This What's the show like, you put me on? Fly or something? I also Random Acts of Flyness. Oh, I love. Yes, that is what her music is for. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's what it's for. That is the yeah, Random Acts of Flyness kind of flows like it's like. What's happening? It oh, doesn't shit. make sense, but it makes, it makes sense. sense. Once yeah. you reach the end of but it, it's like yeah. okay, now but I that get. Is, but that is the way Solange, I feel like, makes music. And she was on that show. Yeah. So it makes sense to me. Yeah. Um. But Random Acts of Flightness, that show, uh Yeah, Geronimo put me onto it. When I saw uh, it, I was that like, yo, show, this is it. That show is fucking everything, man. Mm-hmm. Um, what gives you power? Such a strange question. <laughs> um, what, I don't think anything gives me power. I think I am powerful. Okay. Okay, cool. I like that. Thank you. What sits at the intersection of empathy and self-determination? Introspection. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you ever suffered from FOMO? Fear of missing out? Yeah. Okay. You can use only one social media platform for the rest of your life. What is it? Instagram. Who do you channel when you create? Myself. Craziest Uber or Lyft experience? Oh my gosh, all the time. We live in fucking NOLA. <laughs> <laughs> Every damn day. <laughs> I feel like I don't get these experiences because when I do it, nothing happens. I'd be like, this was the most calmest, most peace. Unless it's with white people. White people be want to talk and I shit about had, shit. I haven't I don't had a crazy experience about. as Yo. a passenger. Now, when I was a driver in D.C., I got stories for days. The passenger. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm with you. I all the time. Happen. There's just some other, like... All the time, it, like if it's not like the older man trying to like give you a lecture about you going out and being like, and I'm like, I did not sign up for this twenty minute ride. Then again, for you, you are to... a black woman. Yeah. And that changes everything about how people interact. Yeah, because there was the so ain't shit happening for us. So black women, so black women, I've asked no, that question. They, they've got y'all got some stories. And and they, and they or like try to get your number and shit. Like it's just like now if they had Uber Pool in New Orleans, I might have some stories as a passenger. But they don't have mm. Uber Pool. They don't week. have an Uber Pool. <laughs> Do we want Uber Pool here? It wouldn't make sense. <laughs> it wouldn't make sense because like the city's so small, the drivers wouldn't make no money at all. Mm. And you already don't make no money with Uber Pool. And they really wouldn't make no money here with Uber mm-hmm. Pool. Um. Mm. You claim Chicago or Memphis more? Chicago for sure. Okay. So, I'm going to ask this question. No, I'm not. Don't ask it. <laughs> no, because no, now I'm a little tipsy and I can't think. Um, <laughs> okay. No, nah, because with the question about that, Chicago's included. You ask the question. Alright. As, 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 no, no, no. Ask her as a strictly Chicago. It's hard to think of. Uh, the Chicago, like. Big conglomerates yeah. from. Because you got, like. Um, you could say. Nah, I want to say good, but no, that's, not that's not Chicago. I'm trying to think of the name of. Okay, uh, well, then use Memphis. No. So we're going to. So. So boom. Actually, no. I was yes. gonna say Memphis, so we could go. We can go. Uh, 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 hypnotize minds. Or. Or. I can't think of what uh, Kanye's label was, but it was. Good music. Kanye. Nah, nah, nah. It was before good music. It was Kanye. Uh, Consequence. What hip hop since nineteen eighty eight? I mean, it was something completely different. It was its own little thing, and they didn't do like big. 
obviously, but they had a lot of movement that got him to where he. Ended well, what's, up. A, what's another big? What was another big Midwest rap collective outside of or like Midwest down to like the middle of the South? Nelly. Ah, you're right. Saint Saint Lunatics. Lunatics. Can you really yeah. do with that's a, that's like apple that's real apples and oranges like hypnotized well, minds versus Saint Lunatics. Well, not really though, because if you really listen to their music, they not they talk about the same shit, but it's not the same shit. It's just the way that they talk about it is different, and the lingo is different. Mm-hmm. But it's very, very, very similar. Like it's it's all the same, but got, it's I, not. I, no, I got easier one. I got easier one. I got, I got, but I, got, I think that's accurate though. I got, I got a better one. Crunchy Black or Lord Infamous? Mm. <laughs> That's what yeah. we're going through. Crunchy Black yeah. or Lord Infamous? I know my answer. I Crunchy love Black. that. I gotta, I gotta say. Yes! Yes! As we riding, as we doing this, I'm looking outside, I'm seeing these black girls ride, these little black girls riding mm. these bikes down the, sh- down the street. I love it. I absolutely love it. They all riding together, being mindful of staying Stay together in. and all of that. Like, I love that shit. Country black, crunchy though. Crunchy okay. black. I right, pick a superhero. <coughs> Batman. Duh. Batman. <laughs> Batman. Okay. Batman I, is like I, the I fucking Batman is the fucking dope. He's OP. Though. Like he's definitely problematic and needs to go to therapy. But like, <laughs> but like, is Batman and Don Draper are the same person? Don uh, Draper from Mad Men, they're the same person. I could say. But Don Draper just doesn't do superhero shit. But they just, like, take Batman as, uh, 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 um. Bruce. Bruce, uh, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne and Don Draper are the same person. Hmm. They are. They're the same person. Okay. I guess I say. I mean, Bruce Wayne is a dick. So is. is Don Draper. And he's meant to kind of be a dick. But Batman for sure. Superman is so boring. And I and I would say I would say first I would say Batman, but then if you're talking about right after that would have to be the X Men. Okay. Oh god, yeah. And All of them. <clears throat> like, one in particular for you? It's a hard one, but Storm is that bitch. Okay. Like she gets no play in the movies, but in the comics yeah, they don't and do in her they, they do not do her justice. But Storm is Storm is like a fucking beast. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. She's so powerful. Like, um, I put this question on there, even though I'm not really in the comics, so I don't even know what's going oh, on. No, um, that's movie, that's the whole thing, though. Like, and Storm, Magneto is the trillist. And Magneto, Magneto is fucking is, the goat. I'm sorry, Magneto Professor is the motherfucking goat. I'm sorry, all of them rest of them niggas, but Magneto, that nigga controls metal, like everything, Our, and his yeah. a, his attitude on it is just like. You can't fuck with me. Like his his that's his whole. He's a boss. Magneto like, is like fucking dope. Yes. All right. Final question. He's like Wolverine, with, but with a mission. Final question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That Wolverine is just like out here angry. He's just like. <laughs> Wolverine is a savage. I'm slash you. He's a savage. Yeah, like Wolverine, like for sure needs therapy. Yeah, that part of it. Yeah, yeah. I did used to watch the X Men cartoon that used to come on Fox back in the day. Yes. So I do know that much. All right, so boom. What this last question? What does living my best life mean to you? Um, living my best life means not living from a place of scarcity. Um, it means not. It means creating 
without any intention of necessarily receiving anything back. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, I will consider myself successful when I'm able to put things out in the world and I'm not concerned about owning them. Mm-hmm. Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. All right. We have reached the end, Ashton. Sorry, did we go over? Oh, we went way over, but it's cool. What is over? People, 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 because in my mind, I'd be thinking, okay, this week we're going to do 90 minutes, and then we just well, be see, going. That's the thing. It's good to have, like, a idea of where we want to go, but also be open to what it could be, because you can't control things. Nah, but the conversation was good, and I, and I know listeners, even ourselves as hosts, like, mm-hmm. we learn a lot. Just, like, have you on the show, listening yes. to you speak and yes, so um, you are amazing we appreciate you for coming thank on. you i'm sorry i've been away from phone. um thank you thank you for having me on i didn't really know what to expect are you, are you on airplane mode i'm not on airplane mode. I, took it it I took it off i took it off it's, i'm sorry bro it's all, it's all right it's i'm fine. sorry bro it's, it's monday look we DIYing this shit. They getting the background or everything. No. But even when I wasn't doing DIY, when I was recording at the Ashton, Line Hotel, it I'm was still sorry. background. Ashton, I am an audio engineer. Like, that is my shit. <laughs> so I'm it's like, gonna, it's going to be fine. Ah. It's going to be fine. People will love you. You're tell, still amazing. It's okay. I'm sorry. Tell people where they can find you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm where sorry. can they find you at? What, what is the sound? What is the dude's? Does it do something to the sound? Okay, it is interference. All it does is when we're talking randomly in the audio after it goes... Like your phone is vibrating right now, so it's going well, to... Not even the vibration. It's like literally the signal, the radio signal. You ever been riding through the hospital area yeah. downtown and your shit go off? Same thing. Even with It don't phones, make it go off with even I know with back in the day with dumb phones, that shit used to happen. But that's the thing. It's just radio <laughs> frequencies, radio I signals. Didn't, it hasn't been that long, though. No, it's okay. It's We're gonna get past it. I, I'm not mad. It's really, it's, I'm it, not upset. Okay. I I can't argue with you. Okay. I'm not gonna argue with you. It's okay. He's he, he being a little, he's being a little melodramatic right now. It's not that bad. It's really okay. not that bad. It's okay. okay. I apologize. It's okay. You're still amazing. It's okay. Tell people where they can find you. Your Please. work. Everything. Yes. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the collect r e s s the collectress. Um, that's the best way, and it kind of filters from there. I've got like a link. Yes, that is a comic book reference. The collectors is a comic book reference. Yes, I thought it was like you know you could get in the bag, you know. I mean, it's because I like to collect things, but the collector was uh well could be considered a villain in one of the comic book themes, and he like would go to different universes and collect. Things. Okay. So start at the collectors on Instagram and just go yeah, from there. and go from there. My Patreon account will be up soon, which I'm really excited about. Um, yes, Patreon. Yeah, yeah, I finally figured out my tiers and everything, but that'll be up, um, which is going to be awesome because I'm going to be able to have a lot more focused conversations um, about hospitality work and a lot more kind of like. You know, smaller intimate groups to be able to discuss these things. Shout out to mm. Renna Sippy shirt. Shout, yeah. Shout out to Ray yeah, Stimpy. I've seen that earlier. My mother hated that show, but she was like, whatever. This show is really funny. She never yeah. understood why. It's really I liked inappropriate. It, it is. This is yeah, also, kids shouldn't watch Pinky that. Pinky in the Brain, though, was like. That was my shit, too. Yeah. And that shit is. Animaniacs was. Animaniacs. Inappropriate. Was All right. And thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, man. Yes, I want welcome. everybody. We want y'all to listen to this whole thing, you know. 
Because there's definitely podcasts out there that be going much longer than this. And be listening. How long? Did, how long did we go? It was, it's 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 longer, but it's fine. <laughs> it's cool. The conversation was good. I'm sorry. You, you didn't do nothing wrong. But I'm telling them because people be you having know short attention span. Let me change that because like, I just sorry start, for? You know, I changed I my sorry earlier because it ain't sorry. I'm, I'm not, not sorry. sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm. Let me say thank you yes. for allowing us to have this much time. Yes, and thank y'all. And, I and appreciate it. Y'all listen and because it's going to be great, and I know y'all are going to learn a lot. And I'm actually tipsy. It's been a long time since I've been tipsy. Has that much been? I just been. I mean, yeah. Pretty I don't babysit. So. I don't babysit no drink. I just throw it back. I All right, y'all. We done. We out. Thank Until you. Next week. Peace. All right, we can all turn our phones back on. It's a place I wanna go, place I wanna go. Through the city, through the city, through the city. It's a little spot I know. Do you wanna go? Are you coming with me? Been with me, been with me. It's a place I wanna go. I just wanna ride with you. All the Fly Kids show is recorded inside of Dope Siding, located in the bywater of New Orleans. Produced by Geronimo Nose and Robert J. And powered by Fairground Inc. Listen to the show on your favorite podcast app and be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe. Pay it forward and let your people know we're here.